Oh, I've been getting out so many ads for dog training manuals recently. It's been a bit ridiculous. You're like, what? Why? Does right. Wolfie need training desperately? I, I don't think he desperately needed training. He probably needs some help, but like... Oh, I see. He was desperate. No. <laughs> he hasn't eaten the entire couch yet, just parts of it. See? Oh, he ate the dog house, but um... <laughs> well, clearly you didn't put enough work into it then. Uh, well, it's more so that he gets bored and destructive. And it's yeah. an, it was an easy target. Oh wow, that sounds like me. Damn it. You are a dog. Yes. Oh, I'm well trained at least. There you go. I mean, Wolf also pees outside. I don't know what the issue is. <laughs> Maybe that he eats things that aren't meant for consumption. Yeah, but you have that problem. I know a lot of people with that problem. I, I feel like you're you're judging him pretty harshly for something that a lot of people do. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't eaten a doghouse yet, so I'm taking that as a win. Yeah, but I'm sure there's lots of things that you've eaten that he's not allowed to. Yeah, I mean, chocolate is poison to him. I live off sugar. Well, hello and welcome to all the, I don't know, dog lovers and dog heart eaters. I don't know how many people eat dog houses, that being a good question. Um, yes, hello and welcome to Tread Lightly, the podcast of two dinosaurs talking about books. Um, it's me, Trax, from Germany. There we have Raptor from Australia, very early in the morning today. Oh god, it's so early. <laughs> it's and so today early. we're... We're reading uh, Scythe by Neil Schusterman, apparently. I, I Honestly, on the first thought, I thought he might be German because his name looked vaguely German, but he's American, so. Well, he, his name may have originally been German and then it got uh, anglicized yes. or oh, I would definitely Europeanized so. or whatever, <laughs> Englishized. One of the other. Yeah. Okay, cool. So. <clears throat> Two teens must learn the art of killing in this prized, oh sorry, this prince-honored winning book, the first in a chilling new series from Neil Schusterman, author of the New York Times best-selling Unwind dystopian series. A world with no hunger, no disease, no war, no misery. Humanity has conquered all of those things and has even conquered death. So now scythes are the only ones that, who can end life and they are commanded to do so in order to keep the size of the population under control. Citra and Rowan are chosen as apprentices to a scythe, a role that neither wants. These teens must master the art of taking a life, knowing that the consequences of failure could mean losing their own. Scythe is the first novel in the thrilling new series by National Book Club award-winning author Neil Schusterman, in which Citra and Rowan learn that a perfect world comes only with a heavy price. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Always the dramatic ending with these globes. Mm. Yes. Well, I have to say this is actually one of my probably favorite books. Um, one of the few I have in hardcover, which says something because I'm too cheap to buy most books in hardcover. And I. Actually, I'm not sure when or where I found it. I might have just stumbled over it on 
um, on Amazon, or maybe I saw it in a bookshop and just ran for it. But yeah, I read it pretty much right after it came out, and been rereading it a couple of times actually. It's really good. Um, I thought it was all right. I hated it in the middle of it, um, <laughs> but it got better. And I think there was like it was. It's not. A, I didn't hate it at all because of the quality of the story. I hated it because of what happened in the story. So. <laughs> ah, I see. Yeah. So you know, I. Well, we'll go into it later in the spoiler section, but. Yeah, I was just not. Mm, about halfway through, I was like, mm, do I have to finish this book? <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Um, what what kind of rating would you go for? Um, three and a half. Like, it was pretty good, aside from that bit in the middle. Oh, okay. Um, um, I'm thinking probably on a four and a half. Okay. This is unlike us. Yeah. Strange. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. Maybe we just have completely different tastes in books. <laughs> you <laughs> mean after reading realized. the same fucking books forever? Yeah. This sure. is weird. <laughs> oh, I Um, I don't think there's a lot to be said that isn't spoilery, so we might have to go straight yeah. into spoilers. Jump into the spoiler section. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. It was surprisingly on tune. Thank you. Pretty off-brand, but anyway. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do it. Spoiler section. Let's go. Yes. Okay. We um, first of all, I have to say, seeing how the whole setting of the book is like utopian future. Yeah. I'm just really happy that for once it wasn't there's this monster machine that is going to destroy us all because it's evil. It's like the world is being governed basically by the iCloud, but it's yeah. peaceful and not the evil yeah. monster in the story because that's the first thing I thought it was going to go or where it's going to where I was going to go just like we're being the, governed by a machine and it's turning evil. Yeah, the thunderhead. Yeah, I kind of liked that it was, like, a non-event. Yeah. We, we, we made it to the peaceful future, and we made it there by AI. Yay. Yeah. I think it also gives a pretty realistic look at, like, um, people who just kind of, like, there's not a lot to strive for anymore. Yes, I like that, like, too. Like, what happens when death is the problem anymore, and nobody's hungry, and nobody is fearing for their existence. Life yeah. just kind of becomes boring. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the, there are clearly people who are still out there achieving, but it is much harder to strive for things when you know that you have, like, an infinite amount of time to for them to occur, right? Yeah, and also it makes a question, like, how important are the things, really, that, that you're doing every day, that you presumably have to do for eternity. Yeah, it does seem like it's going to be um, a lot. <laughs> yes. So, um, 
Yeah, setting the scene where in year, I think, 2042, which, I mean, not that far. Yeah, it wasn't that far off. No. Which, for the, where they managed to forget the age of, um, uh, of mortals, and none of the mortals seem to still be alive, (laughs) it seems like he probably could have, he didn't write it that long ago, he could have jumped a few more like decades and oh not decades more centuries yeah. into the future but then to be fair i think it's been 200 years or something since the thunderhead so um, he's, he's starting early with the the um uh, with the technical revolution then because i remember somebody saying um at some point in the book that it's been 200 years since somebody died of a disease yeah, which, you know, doesn't seem quite realistic in the times we're currently in. <laughs> no, I mean, we're definitely on a... Um, we're definitely in a parallel universe here. But, um, yeah. yes, so we're in the future. But, like, the climate isn't even that new. I feel it just... Yeah, that's the only solid complaint that I have as far as story writing goes, is this needs to be a little bit further into the future. <laughs> well, okay. A- aside from the year... <laughs> We have um, the Thunderhead, which, I mean, mm. as names go, it's medium, I would say. Um, yeah. it's Look, it didn't get to name itself. It would have come up with a better name if it knew. Very true. It's, um, it's an artificial intelligence that's kind of omniscient about everything. It's, it's improved life and the entirety of society. Yeah. And we have incredible medical advances as well. We have like these nanites in, in people's bodies that can heal you and you can modify them to speed up or slow down your metabolism or um, help you with mental disorders and that sort of thing. So everybody's happy. Nobody's like killing people or anything like that. Well, it doesn't necessarily seem that everybody's happy, but nobody is like depressed, depressed. Yeah. I mean, People maybe are happy, but they're definitely not as bad as could be. Let's say that. Yeah. That's all. That's all nanites that are. Yeah, and they're basically if you're wounded, you're getting some great opioids immediately into your bloodstream. But I assume that they can also fix addiction, so nobody's going to be addicted to opioids. Yeah, or I mean, your body's just going to supply them constantly if you are addicted. So, yeah, which you would probably know. make them happy then, yes. Yeah. I don't know. His friend, like, Rowan's friend is, like, addicted to jumping off tall buildings. <laughs> yes. Um, alrighty. So, yes. We are also, I think we're in America. They call it Mid-America, I think. Yeah, Mid-America. We, we don't really have a map or anything, but it seems to be the same setting as now, just that... I think mostly there aren't any states or anything like that anymore. It's just countries now. Uh, potentially, it's also just a continent, um, um, the continent of America. And mid-America <laughs> could refer to, like, the U.S. and Mexico and the coastal bit, uh, the top of Central America, I guess. Yeah. I, I like that the term America just fucking won out in the future. They dropped the A. <laughs> the A was pretentious. Let's leave that one. Um, yes, and the the Thunderhead is basically running everything, government and 
anything about life really except for for the aspect of, of death because we have the issue since all the medical advances are so great we've also solved the issue of aging we can yeah we set people's age to currently as early About as 20 yeah and we can also bring people back from the dead pretty much no matter the brink how of far death. they've yeah pretty uh, no matter how far they've gone i mean we have people who jump down they, buildings and are being described as picked together from the sidewalk <laughs> Yeah, so it's not so much about the physical damage that has happened to these people, but it does seem to be like a, a, a time response thing. So yeah. once you've achieved complete brain death, I think that's when shit starts to get worrisome. Um, that's why the Tonys can kill off their people, but which we should talk about in a minute too. Yes. Um. Um, yeah, but it's, it's definitely an interesting point of going, ah, you know, death, it happens shit happens and you have junkies jumping off buildings and killing themselves in inventive ways for the adrenaline rush basically yeah i also very much enjoy the fact that the best ice cream in this entire world is that which is found at the um revival centers yeah yeah it's great you gotta kill yourself just for the fucking ice cream Oh yeah, well, like she talks her brother through it at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So, um, people not being able to die, but still having children, especially since they can reset their age, people can have an unlimited number of children potentially. So obviously, the yeah. planet is going to be overcrowded at some stage. Extremely yes. overcrowded. Yes. And like Rowan talks about his grandmother. Yeah. Who- Who's been revived down to like 20, and he actually thinks it's kind of gross. Yeah, because she married again and has children again, and now he has like aunts who are younger than him and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's, it's awfully confusing. Yeah, but it's fine because her partner is currently a robot. <laughs> yes. Which, like, for, for a, this, or a utopian future where like there are clearly robots to, to just like breeze over the fact that. Her, her new husband is entirely cybernetic, and that's a non-event in this whole story. Like, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have minded getting more into that, but it wasn't it wasn't the aspect of the story, I suppose. No. Um, yes, so we have the society, societal group or whatever of the scythes who uh, glean people, as the term is. Yeah, presuming killing people just doesn't sound as good. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, they talk about it. He ref- makes huge reference to the fact that um, the very first, like, idea of charity was that you would go through with your scythe and remove, like, when cutting wheat and farming and stuff, and yeah. you would leave some behind so that um, those who were not as well off as the farmers could, like, take some of the wheat themselves to eat. And um, so it's it's considered this huge act of charity for society, and that's just kind of how the world feels about this particular thing. And it um, they go through like the whole that the 
organization is a tool for all of society and it's it's not like that they they're not the bad guys they're it's a role that must be fulfilled yeah and you're not supposed to like your job yes i mean which i mean we'll get to the point where that becomes an issue um yes so we have the the sites who are bestowed upon the incredible task of Gleaning people, um, they have a quota, how much they have to reach each year to make Five sure... Five people a week. They get weekends Estimated, off. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have, a, a, I think it's like 200-something per year. And 250-something, yeah. Yeah. And as long as they're within their quota, it doesn't really matter. I mean, there are rules, which we'll get to in a bit, but they are... They're the only part of the entire world, pretty much, that isn't governed by the Thunderhead. And as such, is also the only thing that could ever become corrupt. Because it's the only part that is still, like, ruled by Run by people. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of makes it the only thing that can ever go wrong, because it's fucking people, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... We, um, I do like that at the beginning of each chapter we get um, a journal entry from a scythe. Yeah, I and I honestly I thought in the when we started and we were getting them from uh, Curie, Curie, I thought that was going to be what like Sintra's name became. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure about that either until we we get introduced to her character and it's like, oh, okay. Um, I also like that when a scythe officially becomes a scythe, that they choose the name of some historical person that did like great things for humanity. So they're all called after some kind of mostly scientists. Scientists, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it, but that's very um, like religious of them to like lose their name in their chosen calling. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess since they also pretty much lose their families as well, it's, it's all about getting that new identity, because they're leaving yeah. their whole life behind, so might as well leave the name. Except that they're not. It's only that they do that, they only seem to, to like do that because they just become separated by experience. I feel like if you genuinely put in effort to try and keep with your family, you could. It's just culturally that they don't. I mean, I think you could, but I also think that most families, like we see it later when when Citra interacts with her family for the last time, that the the families see them completely different once they become sites, because yeah, on the one hand they are revered as these like people doing the great service for humanity, but at the same time they fear the shit out of them because yeah. they kill people, of course, and because they have the complete right to kill anybody at any time, however they want to. But their families get immunity. Yeah, but I think it's still... I don't know, I think it does something to you if you know that, I don't know, your brother or your sister kills people on a daily basis. Yeah, maybe they're just not morbid enough. Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be somebody whose family is like 100% okay with that. Otherwise, the nanites are doing something... (laughs) something well who knows man who knows but then it also feels like um a lot of the the families don't have the same 
like tight knit, um, you know, family hold because they yeah, get they, so they, huge. And so, and after I think after a hundred years or something, it's just a different relationship you have with the person. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But even okay, yeah, we should we should really get into the plot too soon. Yes, we've been doing this for a while. Okay. Starting with the philosophizing here. Um, so we begin the book um, being introduced to Citra, one of our two well, main protagonists, I would say. Um, and she's, I think, 16, 17, something about that. I know, don't we see her when she's like a child child first? Mm. I thought she was like real young in the very opening scene. Like, I'm happy to be wrong. But no, I that happens. Like... That happens like a week or two before. Oh, before she gets chosen. Yeah. Oh, okay. I completely misinterpreted that then. Oh, good. Um. Yes. So we get introduced to Citra, who is some teenage age. I don't think it says at any point really. Um. Well, they they will be eighteen when they get their scythem. Yeah. So they must be seventeen. Yeah. And um, she's at home with her family, parents, little brother, it's all happy world yeah. until the door knocks and we get um, the scythe Faraday coming in, which is basically <sighs> the most horrifying moment uh, for anybody because in their image, whenever a scythe comes calling, somebody's going to die now. Yeah. So her mother's already losing her shit. And basically goes, oh my god, who are you going to kill? Yeah, she's like, intends to make the best, like, dinner of her fucking life. As somebody who can't cook, she's like, trying to put together this, like... It's not that she's, she's a bad cook, but she's like, this is the meal that could potentially save my children or save me. And Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of stress to be put on a person. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so she's making dinner and they're making some basic conversation with him. I also like the fact that they have to address the sites with your honor. Yeah. Like he's a fucking judge. He is. He's ju- he's effectively judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah. This just... is judge dread, but with more paperwork. <laughs> um, yes. So he's, he's coming for dinner and... During dinner, it gets really intense to the point where he goes, I didn't come to kill anybody, I was just hungry. No, Sintra snaps, right? She goes, like, if you're going to kill somebody, just kill somebody and, like, get it, like, stop leaving us, like, hanging about what's going on. And he's like, well, I'm actually just here to kill the neighbor, but I appreciate the honest and forward conversation. Yes. Um, Yeah, Sintra has kind of a short fuse, I would say. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, she speaks her mind. She doesn't like subtle. Yeah, she speaks her mind, which is something that impresses Faraday, I would say. Especially because people tend to grovel in the the vicinity, whatever. A year's worth of immunity from being (laughs) sliced. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's not the greatest job to have, I would say. No. Because nobody ever treats you like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah, so we have that scene. He he borrows a nice sharp kitchen knife and 
promptly goes to kill the neighbor with the knife, bringing it back, which I think is very thoughtful. Which um, Citra then dumps into the bin because, yeah, he. She does not want neighbor. murder knife. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think it's something you want for the salad next time. Um, so we switch perspectives, right? Yeah. Next chapter, we're going over to our other main character, Rowan, who's also 17, goes to a different school, but within the area, I would say. Yeah. He and is lettuce. I love this term. Yes. Uh, it's it's such a great lettuce. metaphor. He's not anything exciting in the burger. He's just a part of the burger and is often removed because it doesn't contribute. Yes. I love it. So, yeah, so we're, at the, the we're, at the, um, we're at the Revival Center, where he's visiting his friend Tiger, who's, um, I, I don't know what the term was, basically when they jump off buildings, they do a splat, splat. and there is, yeah, it splats, basically, the people who enjoy jumping off buildings, and apparently the first Revival is for free, and after that your parents have to pay. Or at and, least until you're earning your own wage, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Tiger basically has a huge, huge family. Nobody pays attention to him because, yes, he's the letters. And seeing how nobody pays attention to him, he gets his attention by forcing his parents to pay for his revival. True. Which, I mean, is one way to get it. I also really like that the idea of being the letters um, caught on and they call a, a club called the Iceberg Heads at school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, Tyler um, often teased that he was going to go uh, rogue and start a romaine revol revolt. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Yes, there's a lot of great salad-based jokes in here. And I like that throughout the book that keeps going on, the mentioning about the letters. <laughs> Fucking loving it. Um, yes, so they basically talk about life and it's, um, they struggle with meaning in their lives yeah. a lot. I think it's also at this point that it's first mentioned that Tiger wants to become a professional party person, basically. Yeah. Because you can hire people for your parties if you don't know enough people, apparently. I think and that that's a real job now. I think that there are definitely people who have yeah, but it's, for a living. Yeah, but in that reality, it seems like a much bigger industry. Well, yeah. It seems like a proper I think, career. I just think we, we don't live the kind of lives where... We, <laughs> we know, could. We could. We even consider it. But um, <laughs> I think they must exist. Maybe we just need to go to Hollywood or something. Well, that's a lie. Neither of us really want to go to these kind of parties. But... um. <laughs> I mean, we've been to Hollywood. It wasn't that great. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit dirty, actually. A bit. You couldn't see yeah. the you couldn't see the city from higher above because of all the smoke and smog. <sighs> ah, okay. Um, yes. So we have um, Rowan going back to school, and um, we have Scythe Faraday showing up there. Yeah, and he provides him with directions, right? Yeah, he shows him to the principal's office and is like, I need to see this guy. I can't remember the name, but it's one of one of Cole the really popular Whitlock. kids. He's yes. the quarterback. He's the he's the jock at the school and very popular. Yeah, and he would have a clean. career in sports ball. Well, not anymore. 
not anymore. So Seth Faraday basically takes him into the into the office and Rowan decides to stay with him. Yeah, because he doesn't want him to die alone because it's super terrifying knowing that your death is going to come for you now. Yeah. And it kind of sucks that... Yes, anyway. Yes, I'll I'll talk about why it sucks in a minute. Yeah. Um, So we, we have him die from pretty much electrocution in the end, I think. Heart attack, yeah. Induced yeah. heart attack by electrocution. And Rowan is, is holding his hand, getting a jolt from it too, and kind of fainting for like a moment. He gets thrown against the back wall of the office. Yeah. And yeah, he thinks he did a really good thing <laughs> to not leave him alone in his dying moments. And that kind of backfires on him very heavily. Yeah. The girlfriend? Fuck her. So Cole's girlfriend gets upset um, that she wasn't the one there to hold his hand when he died. Um, Yes, and they also all think that he did it because he really enjoys watching people die. Like, they think the worst possible option. Yeah, and Scythe Faraday, like, mentions this to him. He's like, you know, this is like, nobody's going to like you for what you did. Yeah. He's like... That was really kind of what you did for him, but nobody is going to appreciate your kindness. And promptly the next day, everyone at school hates him. He's like super He went outcast. from being unknown to being a su- yes, extremely outcast. And th- we also get a, get a view into his like family life where he's the letters. And just, he basically talks to his mom about it and goes, well, maybe I should switch schools like the principal advised. And his mom just goes, well, whatever you think is best, which is pretty much the answer he gets for everything. Yeah, she doesn't really contribute to his life very much or offer anything. And um, even when he does get offered the scythe apprenticeship and his his family all gets offered immunity for a year, her only comment is that nobody's going to move out in that year just in case they just in case he makes it as a scythe so then they can get immunity for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Which, it's also interesting that it only, like, it only counts for the people living in the household at the time. Yeah. I mean, there's probably restrictions, but he has, like, so much family. Yes. So, yeah, we have Rowan having a bit of a miserable time there. I mean, even his best friend Tiger is like, I'm gonna keep my distance now because shit is. Uh, no, I thought they. I didn't thought that he did. I thought he. Um, doesn't he like revel in the fact that like everybody thinks that Rowan is a. Uh, uh, I don't know that Rowan's gonna be. They think that his uncle is the scythe and he's going to come back and kill him. Come back and kill them all later. I mean, that's only after he stands up on the desk at school and basically goes, this is my uncle, I told him to kill him and I'm going to kill him, to going to tell him to come back and kill you guys too. And that's when everybody leaves him alone and starts ignoring him completely. Yeah. So, lots of fun for Rowan there. And, yeah. um... Next, we get an interesting opera invitation. Yeah, to the opera! 
Um, yes, so Citra finds an opera invitation at home and thinks it's probably from a boy at school or something. Yeah. Um, she gets dressed up, she goes and meets Rowan there. And she <laughs> there's that great awkward moment where she's like, thank you for the invitation. Do I know you? And he's like, I didn't send you an invitation. Yeah, I thought he said that to her. Um, it might have been. I'm not sure anymore. I thought he said it to her because it kind of takes the wind out of her sails a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Um, yes, yeah, so both of them very confused, having received the same invitation, and then we have Scythe Faraday jumping into the mix, basically going. Yeah, he comes bam. about halfway through the opera. <laughs> yes, because apparently he can't be bothered with opera. Yes. It's not really his style, though. No. I mean, yeah. So, he comes in, he explains that he wants to... Well, he wanted to introduce them to some culture, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Mm. Well, they... they uh, at least because we're in Citra's perspective during this bit, she struggles with the understanding the opera a little bit because she's like why I don't understand the motivation for like most of these characters at any point during the the um yeah like during during the actual opera because like why do we care if they get murdered they'll just get like revived or like why do we care that you know all this other shit's happening yeah basically it sounds a bit like people lost their passions in a way because a lot of shit just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have... Um, basically, we have them enjoying... Not really enjoying the opera. Then sitting through the opera. and Super then, confused and sitting through the opera. Yeah, and then having Faraday tell them, well, gonna meet you tomorrow at the museum. Yeah, at so- nine. When the yeah. museum opens at 10. Yay. But, yeah, also, I mean, having the benefit of basically being the master of death, the scythes get everything. They don't pay for food or rent or anything like that. They get into any building or premise, no matter if it's closed or not. Yeah. Because, I mean, even if... It's supposed to be an act of charity, but most people do it out of fear. Right. Yeah, I mean, no matter if you're supposed to do it or not, the thought in the back of your head is always going to be, is he going to kill me now? Yeah. The same about them walking around town. If if somebody sees a scythe, they immediately either run away or try to very obviously ignore them in the hopes that they won't get chosen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there seems Super to be awkward. like th- three categories of people, and that is like, those who can treat them normally, those who can't, and um, and who just like freak the fuck out, and there are those who who like are reverent about their presence, right? Yeah. So, yeah, then we have them meet him at the museum, and they're going around looking at uh, pictures, especially the old. Um, uh, the old prehistoric pictures from the days. It's called pre 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 mortality. Yes, which is kind of strange because it was doing the mortality. Yeah. So I, I mean, they're in post mortality now, pretty much. 
Yeah, so anything that's before that they just refer to as the pre-mortality age, pre-immortality age, or the mortal age. Yeah. And yes, we get some some exciting painting viewing and we have Faraday finally opening up what he's actually on about. Why brought you here today? Yes, it's basically, I want both of you to become sites. And neither of them wanted, which is also one of the criterias they choose their apprentices for, apparently. Because if yeah. you want to kill people, you clearly shouldn't, which I have to agree. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree. That's probably the right choice to make. Yeah, but it also makes you wonder what it does to the people who don't want to kill and now have to. Well, I think but... we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> yes. So... We well, we have both of them pretty much going, yeah, don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that either. And he basically goes, well, I think it's not up to you. Have, like, yeah, I think you have moral fiber and all that. And he, I think he gives them a day to think about it. Yeah, they get and, it. They, so they don't have to do it, but. He's like, I think that you guys have the gumption that you're going to realize that this is not a job for the faint-hearted. This is a job that uh, requires, like, compassion and understanding and, like, the whole reason that you don't want, um, that you don't want the job makes you qualified for it. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, I get that part, but also... Recruiting people at 17 to become pretty much executioners for their entire lifetime is heavy-handed. Yeah, and I do kind of feel like you could probably have finished school or even, like, be in your mid-twenties by the time that you could get this. Yeah. It's... mm, Yeah. So, we... Have them go home, basically talk it over with their family. Um, Citra's parents... Well, Citra talks it over with her family. <laughs> I mean, Rowan basically Tries. yeah, comes home, his mom going whatever you think is best. Um, being super helpful as always. Um, yeah, we have um, we have Citra talking about it with her, her parents, and they basically don't encourage her to do it, but they're also not like... Don't you shouldn't do it. do it because her mom does have the the kind of sneaky thought that she wants immunity at least for her others okay. uh, for her son <clears throat> yeah for Ben yeah so it's not about her or Citra's father but it's about Ben and then Citra is kind of in like a headlock in a way because on the one hand she doesn't want to have her brother die at some point but on the other hand it's also not her responsibility to take on this lifelong mission but yeah yeah i think that's the point where she decided she's gonna at least try yeah they so the the choice will be between the two of them at the end and whoever does the best will get chosen for the thing but um yeah both of them play to lose Pretty much. I mean, at this point, it's like a year-long immunity for their families. Mm. And 
it kind of sounds like neither of them has anything better to do with their time, so it's like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Let's go ahead. Well, Rowan's already a pariah, so he doesn't, like, he's not super worried about it. Yeah, and the benefit of being immortal is you don't have to worry about getting a head start on your education or your job. No, you can take the long way around and splat off buildings repeatedly. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, they decide to give it a go. They they meet with Faraday and go to the market to buy food, and it's people staring and people just being, like, terrified. Yeah, and some kid who tries to run up and kiss his ring. Yes, uh, he succeeds in... in they, they were training them for a while, I think, the two kids, and then one of them does a sneaky maneuver and manages to kiss the immunity ring. And Faraday is like, well, that's, that's well done, good, good for you. You're going to be immune for one year, and after that, I will find I'm coming you for too. you. <laughs> and your entire family, yay! Yeah. So he's kind of bummed out by that and just takes off. Yeah. Well, the friend doesn't try it then, because <laughs> no. he was there with a friend. Yeah, wouldn't go for that one either. Personally, wouldn't recommend it, no. No. And then I think he also chooses a woman from the market that he's going to clean. Oh, yeah, which, in the car park. Yeah, which makes Ronan and Citroën just go, did we go to the market to kill somebody? What's going on? And, yeah, and the, the, the deal Faraday has is he tries to recreate the mortality rate of the olden days so yeah, he tries to kill as many people as used to die in car crashes and maybe he doesn't kill any more than his um tally his no yeah um but yeah he's like i need to kill one person under the age of 17 i need to kill like uh, yeah, because he, he has the statistics People over the age of 65 who die of a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, so he goes very much by by how death used to look and is trying to recreate it in modern days, in a way. Yeah. Um, Which I think is a good way to do it, right? Yeah, it's 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 a fair standard to go by, I would say. And it also makes the, um, the death of Cole um, kind of funny, because Rowan... Does the that scene go, yeah, it goes like, shouldn't you at least tell him why you chose him? Doesn't he have the right to know that? And then Faraday goes, fine, um, you bought a car recently and you like to drink in your off times. So in the old days, you would yeah. probably die in a drunk car well, no, crash. He's, he's had a couple of car crashes. That's the thing. He has already had a couple of car crashes. He has a... Did he? he yeah, he drinks like regularly and he drinks and drives, but... Because there's no consequences for the actions of drinking and driving every time he crashes. He's like, you probably would have died already in the mortal age, so. Huh. I just, because I, because I was kind of confused in that scene, because I only remember him going, you recently bought a car and you like to drink. And I was like, well, that doesn't mean he's going to be a drunk driver. No, but... he already is a drunk driver. Mm, okay. So... He basically gives Rowan the numbers in a calculator who goes calculating it and it's like 0.303% chance that Cole would die, which is yeah a rough one, honestly. And he basically then tells Rowan, well, did he help him to know that now or has it made it worse? 
trying to already educate him on how to clean people, pretty much. Yeah. And yes, so they they pretty much move in with Faraday at this point to to learn history and martial arts and poisons and weapons. Yeah, the art of killing. Yes, all the many great facets of killing. Yeah, and we also. I I also like their um. The hand-to-hand combat that they learn. Uh, killcraft. Uh no, Boku. It's like. Uh, the um, other one. Um... Killcraft is like the the title that they give to the whole learning experience, but there's like a hand to hand combat that they lo- use that's like yeah. based on one of the martial arts. Yeah, which has been I think then further developed, especially for scythes or something. Yes. I can't remember. It. Um, before we get to it again. Um. Yes, and we get. Then we're being told the, the Ten Commandments of the Scythes. Which yeah. I found hilarious the first time because number one is Thou shalt kill. Thou shalt kill, yeah. Which is pretty much the opposite of yeah. of the uh, Christian the doctrine of the or the Thou shalt not commit murder. Yeah. But, I mean, they're, they're pretty fair ones. It's um, the next one is you shouldn't kill with bias, bigotry, malice, or, um, yeah. And they do actually have scythes being reprimanded if they um, had, like, a bias towards a certain race or something like that. Or demographic in general, old yeah. people, pretty uh, ugly people. I love that the scythe <laughs> gets reprimanded for killing off too many ugly people. Yeah, and I think somebody in the crowd was shouting, like, what, are we supposed to kill the pretty ones? Or something like that. Yeah, was... no, but it was... The the comment that he got was, like, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, like... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, and it pretty much says that the... Um, um, you have to grant immunity to the... Um, so the family of the ones that you glean and anybody else you think is worthy, so they're pretty they're pretty loosely bound to handing out immunity. Yeah, which comes into play later, how yeah. fucking loose that is. <laughs> I mean the fourth commandment is pretty much just you have to kill somebody's family if they resist. Yeah, so if somebody chooses to interfere with the process Right. I mean, or they try and run away. Inter- yeah, not even interfering. It's pretty much if if I want to glean you and you resist, then I have to glean your family. And you. Yes. You always get gleaned. Your family is just the bonus. Um. Yes. And it's number five is pretty much just you have to be a scythe for as long as you live. There's no quitting the job or retirement here. You don't get to retire here. No. It's your life. Um, Yeah. Number six is... Not a job. Yeah. Um, Number six is, you know, lead an exemplary life. And also keep a journal every damn day. Yeah, but I... 
That just uh, that I understand the journaling thing. I understand because you want to be able to uh, have some accountability. But that's but that's the problem. They didn't specify the journal. We have later on at some part we have I think it was Citra saying to Rowan who doesn't want to write the journal. You can just write down your uh, what you ate for breakfast or your shopping list. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So they don't even have to write like job specific things. They could write how the weather was every single day and all you would have is like a 50 year long weather report basically <laughs> which is super super not helpful um yes number seven is you can't kill another another scythe except yourself yes you can't gleam another scythe so you the possibility is only for you to gleam yourself which apparently is just the way that most scythes like go at about yeah, I mean, 200 the, years they the tend to off way. themselves <laughs> yeah it's the only way you can go and i guess the question is how long can you kill people on a semi daily basis until you decide this this is pretty much this is it i think the burnout ratio of this job is pretty high yeah um yeah then we have uh, number eight which is a pretty Big one because they claim they can't claim any earthly possessions except for the robes, the ring they wear, and the journal. But I mean, plenty of ways to get around that. Um, yeah, as we'll see. <laughs> yes, uh, number nine is no spouses and no spawn. Yeah, which to me doesn't say you can't take lovers, but. No, it doesn't, but. I guess they they should have defined spouse a bit better. Yeah. Um, I mean, it also has that that religious ring to it of priest celibacy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Number ten, being the the major one of you're not beholden to any laws beyond the ten here, which makes them very much above the law. Any. Law. Yeah. And also the Thunderhead has like is forbidden to interact from interfering with, with yeah. So they the sites can use the, the Thunderhead's database, but only the raw data. They can't even use the search tool. So they have to build their own search algorithms. Yeah, because the Thunderhead is like very strictly mm, no, not gonna have any business with you people. Yeah. So yes. Um I think next we have them actually, um, oh yeah, next we get the flight scene, which is great. <clears throat> um, so we're at an airport, <laughs> we have the slight like, tidbits of airlines boasting about their 99.9% uh, on-time service, because yeah. weather is being partially controlled now as well, and even if you can't control it, the Thunderhead can predict it perfectly, and there's just no more issues, pretty much. And we have a group of, of scythes who look very ostentatious for the fact that they're scythes. Yeah, they're like whole jewels like, on their robes. Bejeweled. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, like this bejeweled robes. Um, yes, so they're coming in with also with a lot of exciting weaponry. They have like a flamethrower and stuff. <coughs> yeah, and one just, guy who's like, the 
The flamethrower is my image. <laughs> yes. And I love how much he loves the flamethrower. So, yeah. Um, we have the, um, more or less the head of the group, um, quickly talking to, to the stewardess, who then makes a run for it, which leaves the other stewardess to close up the, um, the airplane door. The plane, yeah. And, um, it's, uh, Goddard, right? Yeah. Who then pretty much goes, well, this entire plane has been selected for cleaning. Yeah. He's into mask leanings. Yes. I mean, they all are. Almost. And this, this whole group is, yeah. And we have the great, the great um, mentioning of you're not going to use the flamethrower inside a plane. Yeah. But Fine. it's my image. <laughs> yes. Um, and then they promptly start killing everybody off on the plane. Yeah. We're and actually in the well, we're in the perspective of one of the um, passengers who yeah. realizes who who whose perspective gives us a great understanding of like that these people enjoy killing to like yeah. a huge extent. They enjoy it a lot, and um, he goes, "Well, I'm not going to give them the pleasure of murdering me," uh, and he like jumps on the guy's sword instead of letting him swing it at him. Yes. Which I thought was very cool. <laughs> yeah. Throwing yourself onto the blade. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it's the... So far, we've, we've only seen Seth Faraday, who's very much into killing people in a humane way and offering them poison to take or... or like, quick death alternatives, right? To, yeah, he, he tries to minimize the suffering and is very much about this needs to be done, but I want to do it. Take no and then pleasure. We see this. Yeah, and then we see this group of scythes who basically goes in like a couple of psychopaths with weapons and just, who can we rip apart today? <sighs> so, yes, very oh. much in star contrast. Yeah, later we get more of their perspective, and it's like training, partying, and then mass killing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting future, I'd say. Um, yeah, we we then go back to to Rowan and Citra, who are starting their um, starting their lessons with Faraday, who also tells them that they are under no circumstances. To start any funny business here. Yeah. Which, and they immediately uh, develop uh, crushes on each other. <laughs> yes, because the teenagers are going to tell them not to do so. Especially if it involves their genitalia. This is not how it works. And I think it was Rowan who basically went, oh yeah, that's fine. And Citra just thinking, well, he could have looked a bit more disappointed. But, yes, both of them basically being slightly disappointed, giving us the hint that there will be some... Canoodling in the future! <laughs> Although they are keeping that very, very much out of the story. It's, it's not yeah, a lot there's not a lot of canoodling. Yeah, this is not a love story. There's not a lot of canoodling in this story. Yeah. 
um, oh, and the sport is uh, Bokato. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so they start learning that and have to practice. And um, yeah, we have like a lot of that going on. We um, then training we montage, have, training montage. <laughs> yeah, um, we have we have Faraday going on 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 a secret single gleaning mission. I mean, usually he takes one of them at least, or yeah. both of them, because they now have to be. With his, with him for his gleanings, pretty much. Yeah, this is the one where he makes Rowan choose the victim, the next victim, and um, Sintra, Citra, um, just um, shine all of the weapons. Yes. So we get to understand how um, the scythe now interact with the Thunderhead because. Rowan is there agonizing on four people that have come down to his list of like. Yeah. And it also, it's like really long and difficult to search um, for criteria to the Thunderhead because now, as a Scythe's apprentice, they can't use the Thunderhead like normal people anymore. So it takes him quite a while to go through different search algorithms to. Um, to narrow it down to, to Faraday's specifications, because he's, he's trying to recre recreate an, a heroic drowning, pretty much. Yeah, so that he finds a bunch of people that have done heroic things in their life, um, and then he like reduces it down to people who have done um, heroic things in high-risk high, high, high situations, including drowning, and yeah, goes through it from there. Yeah. And then he has the four, and Faraday basically goes, well, then pick one. And he's like, I, I can't pick it. Pick one. Well, I, I don't know. This one is like this, and this one is like that. Pick one! <laughs> and he does, and, and he's like, I've doomed somebody because of a bad head, hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in your head, and it's really, it's an interesting thought to think, in the end, if all the criteria match, how do you choose? Do you choose because somebody is attractive or not? And he like goes through it in his head, like this person is super nice, but then maybe I shouldn't choose him because he's super nice. Or yeah. this guy has a family, or do I choose him because of it or not because of it? And in the end, he's just like, yeah. And he gets hung really... up on a guy because he has a terrible photo in his rescue photo. And he just yes. looks like he needs a haircut. Yes. And he's it tears him down and Faraday basically just goes, well, if this wouldn't have been the hardest thing you ever did, then I would be worried. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, doesn't help him right now, but yay. So, um, so he, um, he and both of them actually go to, uh, to do the gleaning for Mr. Oh. Don't even yeah, and they. She has to take care of the dogs, doesn't she? Yes. So Citra is ordered to, um, to, um, basically put the put the dogs. She sedates the dogs. Yeah. yeah. And gets bitten by them in between, which enjoy the man enjoys. I mean, we we have the scene from his perspective. That you know. Where he's just like, well, good. At least they gave them a bit of hell before. Before I die, yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to know too, though. Do the dogs get to live forever? Is that where we're at in this? 
I don't think like, so because then they would need to have dog leanings. Yeah. 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 I think possibly. it's only extended to to humans. I think um, pets don't. No, nah, ten bucks. Ten bucks. There's some really rich person out there who's like keeping their dog immortal. Well, that's the question. Do they have the technology to also use it on animals, or is there some kind of crux? <clears throat> The technology would have originally been developed on animals. You couldn't have gotten away with developing this immediately for humans because we couldn't do human testing. Ah, uh, who knows? Who knows? Some kind of small, poor country where people just start, where the rich no. scientists <clears throat> come in, start building testing areas. Mm. No. Nobody is going to offer themselves up to this without some kind of... Uh, safety net of like it being tested you do, you do know what people offer themselves up for right super horrible things for barely any cash out like there's some poor regions where people would sell their arm and a leg for a bit of food yes I understand and yet I still don't think that you would unless the price is like really high why would you offer yourself up to this well maybe they offer their families a lot of money and you know that possibly. your family will be cared for possibly i still don't think that they would have jumped in the deep end with like <laughs> testing it on people okay well you take the optimistic view i take the dystopian future view this is a utopia though it's a utopian future doesn't mean it didn't start out uh, differently yeah if rich people are doing it in Western countries where it can then legally be marketed, you have to have the paperwork basis that says that you did it the via the proper channels. Maybe nowadays. Doesn't mean it needed to go like that there. The, it's not that many years in the future. This technology needs to be being developed literally right now. And to no, do that, it, it has been, to be following it. would have been it. in the past. <clears throat> No. Yes. Strongly disagree. Move on with your story. You don't know anything about science. You just don't like to be wrong. You don't Um, know how process works. You don't know how dystopian futures work. This is a utopian future. That's the whole point. Well, now it is. Yes. Okay. So next we have um, the chapter about Esme. Yes. So um, Esme is a girl of, I don't know how old she actually is. She's 10. Ah, okay. Um, yes, yeah, so 10 year old girl, she loves eating pizza. It's like the opening of the chapter is she fucking loves pizza. Yeah, and her mom keeps trying to put her on a diet and won't let her just adjust her nanites. Yeah, because she's like, that's just cheating. You have to earn your weight loss, basically. So I'm um, assuming she's slightly overweight, maybe. Um, but she's, she's like, more than slightly overweight. And she basically just goes, I don't give a fuck. I want pizza. So yeah. she is at the pizza place. And shit is breaking down. We have the, the scythe crew that loves mass cleanings coming in and just taking everyone down. Yeah. And Esme is hiding under a table um, and just... I think she's staying 
quite calm, seeing how everyone around her is dying. Yeah, um, she she kind of like accepts that she, if she doesn't move, there's a part of it where she's like, if she doesn't move, she'll die. But um, hiding in a cupboard is probably better than lying on the floor. So I think she actually ends up hiding in a cupboard or in a crook in a was, desk or something. I think she, yeah, I think she was on her way to to a different position when she realizes that it stopped and it's super quiet because everyone is dead. And then Goddard... Um, he finds her, right? Yeah, finds her hiding and just goes, it's okay, it's over, we're all done. And, um, you know... It's, Takes it's, her home with him. Yeah, and basically goes, here, you want to finish your pizza? And she's like, oh yeah, I want that pizza. And then it's she's like, like way chill. Yeah, she's like, oh, get some pizza and a new couple of friends I'm going to live with now. Fine. Yeah, she's like way too chill with this. Anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. Then uh, next, I think we're back with Rowan and he has his day off. So he's meeting Tiger. Yeah. Who's been using his new apprenticeship to get himself some fame at school because he's like, well, if you guys aren't nice to me, I know somebody mm. who knows somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tiger getting all the fame out of uh, Rowan's scythedom apprenticeship. And we also have, um, he and Citra both have these wristbands with the, the scythe symbol on it. Yeah. Um, so people treat them very differently in public now as well because because of that. They uh, get pretty much the same treatment as the scythes them, themselves. Yeah, they're playing basketball and everybody plays to lose to him and he's like, ah! <laughs> yes, he can now never win at anything wow. fairly again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he basically takes Tiger with him to um, to their apartment wanting to show him all the weapons. <laughs> and uh, Tiger attempts to, to steal one of the uh, was it a machete? The or knives, or yeah, some one of the knives of some kind. Yeah, Rowan is like, put that shit down. You can't take it. Um, and then we have Citra coming home, and Rowan yeah, kind of Rowan smuggling kind of, them out. Yeah, he acts as if Citra is Scythe Faraday, just to try and get Tiger out, because he realizes that he's being like he can't really maintain this friendship while. Tiger is like obsessed with his weaponry and like killing people and killing himself. Yeah. Um, yes, so he's sneaking him out and leaving it at that. And I think the um I'm not sure if we get to the to the um to the conclave meeting yet. Yeah, I think we should also mention that um, Goddard <clears throat> takes over that guy's house and then kills off the pool boy and replaces the pool boy with the original owner of the house. Yeah, it, it comes a bit later on, but yeah, we have um, we have Goddard living uh, living rich and luxurious, and it sounds like he's been doing that for a while, just finding himself some big fancy mansion and basically. Telling the owner that he wants it because it's not like anybody could say no. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, so he's getting himself a fancy mansion. And um, next it's time for... The May Conclave! Yeah, it's like Vernal Conclave. And because Faraday is all about being humble and everything, they like take the bus there and um, it's like all the nice public transports and all that stuff. And when they get there, it's like people arriving in limousines and all that shit. And a lot of a lot of the sites being rather ostentatious for the fact that one of their laws is you shouldn't you should be humble and well yeah. not really um it doesn't say humble in the laws at all no but <coughs> it, it sounds it doesn't sound like go and flaunt wealth because I mean they're not supposed to have any possessions so whatever fancy things they have they definitely. Or forced other people to give them. Yeah. Um, yes, so, so they arrive at Conclave, where they, I think the meeting is with all the Mid-America sites, which is like 300-something. Yeah. Don't remember the correct number. And but this they, is where they, they find out that, that having two apprentices is weird. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, nobody... Like, nobody really mens- mentions it. Um, Faraday does tell them that there will be a test, because at each conclave the apprentices get tested, and they need to have three tests, basically, ultimately, um, till it gets decided if they um, are approved to become sites or not. Yeah. And um, they arrive there, and nobody else has two apprentices. I mean, there are a couple of um, other apprentices who are called, I think, the spatulas, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. The spats, because they're just there to um, to assist, pretty much. Yeah, they don't do anything exciting. <laughs> um, yes, and they, they start... Um, there's also a lot of food, and it's one of the... Um... Yeah, cause everybody's like, uh, it's an honor, right, to serve the the scythedom. Yeah. And so there's like, there's like a buffet of like different restaurants that are like putting out <laughs> their best food. So it's like hella swanky. It's great just imagining going, Arby's, we provide for the scythes. I imagine it's slightly more highbrow than that, given who their high scythe is, or their high blade of mid-America is. I mean, yeah, but at one of the meetings they also have a huge pile of Danish, <laughs> so... Yeah, but the scythes all take the Danishes from the bottom, and the whole thing tips over. <laughs> yeah, because they don't know how pyramids work. God. Yeah. Um, yes. So we get there, we meet a lot of other scythes. Um, Faraday has a lot of like intel on everybody and a bit of gossip. Yeah, it's and like any other society. Like there's factions within it. Yeah, um, we we meet Highblade Xenocrates, yeah. who yes. who's who's wearing a golden robe, which is super yeah. heavy because there's actual gold on it. And now yes. tell me that this guy definitely needs to be in charge. The weird part is that he lives in a log cabin as well. Which is which is on top of like the highest the highest building in that city or something. Yeah. 
It's like one of those funny remarks that Goddard makes at some point, where Xenocrates goes, well, I live humbly in a log cabin. And then Goddard like, goes, yeah, on top of the high-rise skyscraper in the, in the capital or something. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're super humble. <laughs> the... And I think he gets described either by Sintra or Rowan as, like, a weird combination of, like, uh, very humble and very outrageous. And you're never 100% sure if he's being sarcastic or what his meaning is, because he is, like, just wrapped up in contradiction. Like, yeah. he tries to be really humble and venerate himself, but he's wearing gold robes. And, like, he lives in a log cabin, but... It's on a skyscraper, and he has, like, really simple furniture, but it's all really fucking expensive, nice furniture. Yeah. So, um, yeah. He, he doesn't seem like the, the best person to lead this. Should he No. Um, yes, so we have, um, we also get introduced to Scythe Curie. Yeah. we now know is the person that I think so far has been written on. Uh, all the, yeah, all the she's written all of the openings, yeah. Which always give us a little bit of a inside view, um, a bit of how the whole, well, how the the size, or oh, most of them, I presume, feel about the whole thing, how how things came to happen. It was in one of her uh, journal entries that we found out what year it actually is, and how the society beat diseases and everything, and nobody dies of funny things like whatever the flu was. Yeah, and um, it's from her that, like, we... Is it from her that we learned that the years have changed to be... Um, that they don't I recall so. years with yeah. numbers anymore? At, at some point, once government and everything stopped as well, and the Thunderhead took everything over, it seemed to be pointless to count the years, especially because nobody died anymore. So they just started naming the years after animals, like in the Chinese calendar. Yeah, it started with the Zodiac calendar, and then everybody started petitioning for their own animal to become. <laughs> yeah, which is great. I like the fact that it's like, Whale submit year? your favorite animal now. Yes. Oh, I would yeah. vote for the year of the duck. Of course you would. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't need this shit. Um, yes, so we are at the um, we are at the conclave. They they start the whole shebang, and it's super boring for Citra and Rowan because they start by reading um, the names of the gleaned, and every scythe puts forth ten names that they thought was were like worthy to remember, and that alone takes like over two hours to read them all. Yeah, and uh, Rowan is surprised that Faraday picked... Um, the Drowner? No, Cole. Oh, right, yes. Um, yeah, so they have to listen to people's names for two more, over two hours, and Citra starts getting impatient. Um, yeah. especially Which all she wants to do is figure out what the fuck this test is. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to get up and like all wash their hands in a ceremonial bowl, and I, I think she basically goes, do you know how filthy that water is after everybody had their hands in it? Yeah. Which, I mean, she has a point. We maybe don't have to fear germs anymore, but it's still icky. Yeah, why? Why is it icky? You don't have to fear germs anymore. No, but 
What is Icky? That guy basically Icky. drinks primor- primordial ooze later. <laughs> yeah. The water's not, like, sticky and leaves you feeling gross afterwards, and why, why do but we care? The, I mean, the germs are still in there. They may not be harmful to us anymore, but if dirt is in the water, it's still dirty water. It's not... It's not like I don't drink dirt water now because I fear of getting sick. It's because it's disgusting. Yeah. So, um, yes. Then we finally, after, I mean, then we get, um, then we get, like, general topics they talk about. And they have an anonymous complaint against Scythe Goddard saying that he is too brutal in his gleanings. Yeah, um, and he basically stands up and very dramatically shouts that this is an outrage, and he wants to talk to the yeah. accuser. Nobody. Yeah, if you're gonna hide behind like an anonymous. Da, 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 da. Yeah, and basically nobody stands up, and then Xenocrates goes, "Well, if nobody has anything to say to that, then we'll put the matter aside." And yeah, and Faraday basically. Turns- yeah, he basically explains that that was the the perfect masterstroke because if somebody were to complain about the same thing now, they would assume they are the anonymous complaint. Yeah. And he's basically, he probably put the complaint in about himself. Yeah, which to try and like head off. does all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we already get a look into all the schemings going on there. Yeah. Um, yes, then we finally get to the test. Which, yeah. um, I think there are four or five apprentices who were there taking There are four the of them. Yeah, yeah, there are four of them. And it's uh, Scythe Curie who's administrating and... the test. Yep. Uh, yeah, and she's asking them, like, very random questions. Like, there doesn't seem to be any method to the test. One of yeah. them, she's, she's asking his to name her five poisons, and then he's supposed to name her sixth, and uh, he's like, well, you said only five. <laughs> She's like, what if I want a sixth? And he's like, well, then you would have broken your word, and that's not very becomely of a scythe. And she's <laughs> like, very good. Yeah, and then, but she then she asks one of the other people, like, the, the questions are really, like, odd. So there's one that's like straight up like a knowledge-based question. And then it's like, if you got it wrong, and she's like, I wouldn't get it wrong. She's like, if you got it wrong, <laughs> it's like, okay, if somebody messed up your poisons for you and like they started dying in a like incredibly like painful and terrible way, how do you fix that? And she goes, Well, I'll ask the family to leave the room and then I'm gonna shoot them. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna do a perfect headshot. Yeah. So that then they don't suffer as much. And she's like, good, good. Like that answer, like that answer. <laughs> I appreciate you asking the family to leave the room. <laughs> nice touch. Yeah. Um, yeah, then she asks, um, and, and then it gets bizarre, because the first two are, like, very work-related. Like, I can see why she asked them, because it makes sense on a level. And then she gets to Citra, and she just goes, what's the worst thing you ever did? <laughs> And you're like, what? The first ones get first get asked about poisons and poisonous plants and how do you glean somebody? And then it goes, why are you such a bitch? Yes. It's a rough one. And um, Sidra basically goes, she pushed a girl down the stairs. 
Well, I don't know why she lies here, but she lies. Yeah, the, the lie she, the, the part she lies about, in the end, when you find out the, the real story, doesn't make anything, it makes no sense because it doesn't change anything. It's, yeah, I, which I don't understand why she lied. Yeah, me neither. And Curie basically knows that she lies and she goes, you liar, and uh, has failed the test. And then it's it's Rowan's turn, and he, he fails on purpose. Yeah, he gets asked what his greatest fear is, and he just goes, "I fear nothing." <laughs> and she's yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, and kind of this hubris uh, is what basically what leads to to this next bit where um. Yeah, because clearly people have caught on that he through that question on purpose. Yeah. Or at least Goddard caught on because after the like lunch break, because they have to eat all the damn time. Um, yes, I'm hungry. <laughs> I don't know why you're so mad about this. Um, yeah, so Goddard basically just goes, this is super unfair. They're gonna, um, they're not gonna take this seriously, obviously. He just threw the test on purpose and all that, so we need to make it more fair, and whoever wins, gleans the other one. <laughs> yes, to motivate them, which what the fuck, and then Zenocrates basically asks his um, his masters of law, or whatever, his, his advisors who know all the rules by heart, if, if anything speaks against it, and they're like, no, no, that's, that's fine, we can start doing gladiator games, it's no problem. And yeah, like, okay. this has never, never been done before, so this will set precedence. Um, and yeah, and the worst part about it is that they don't vote on the topic. Immediately, no, Xenocrates just passes it, and everybody's a little bit like, hey, wait a minute, what? Um, yeah, because it was like five minutes before they finished for the day, and he was like, well, we're not going to push it till, till the next conclave in four months, so... We're just going to make it a rule. Great. He throws his gavel down. Gavel down. And then just, yeah, that's it. And everybody's a bit like, hey, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that later Citra, like, throws that back in his face. She's like, well, you'll never know. Or maybe it's Rowan. Rowan throws it back in his face going, you'll never know what all of the people wanted because you didn't take a vote. Yeah. Which, fair point. Um, <clears throat> yes, then we have... Um, then we get the bit about the, the mansion and Goddard. And then we are, we're back with Citra and Rowan, who are, like, super weirded out by the whole situation now, because they're, yeah. not, they're not just competing against each other. One of them has to kill the other one. And yeah. Faraday leaves them alone. Yeah, and Rowan starts to kind of mentally preparing him. To... Oh, yeah, because he decides he's going to die. Yeah, because he's like, I only know her for a couple of weeks and nothing happened between us, but I'm in love with her, so I'm going to die for her. <laughs> ah, he's not in love with her. He just thinks that she'd be better. He he doesn't think very highly of himself. At least at this point, yeah. he doesn't actively say he's in love with her. No, he doesn't say it, but it definitely sounds like it's not just because he thinks he she'd make a better scythe. Sounds like the undertones sound a bit like I can't kill oh, her. Yeah. I like her too much. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, well, he's a 17-year-old boy. But also, like, that's, I don't think it's just that. I think he, he's like, well, I don't want her, I don't want to have to kill her either. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He says that he he can't kill her. Yeah, that seems to be more of the thing. Yeah, so he's trying to tell himself, you've got one year left, like, less than a year, but... He's going to make it to his eight. just make it to his 18th birthday? Yeah, and then he's going to die, and he's going to start preparing him now so that it'll be easier when the time comes. Which is fair, I do the same thing. Um, Yeah, and then we have... We have baggings on the door and some... No, 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 you forgot the part where they kiss. And now they kiss. Yes. To get it out of the system, right? (laughs) Both of them are like, hmm, it was a bit weird. <laughs> yes, not weird in a bad way, but it was just a bit weird. Yeah, and definitely not necessary. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then we have the, the scythe guards or whatever coming in, going, you want to come with us? And um, they meet Xenocrates, and he goes, well, I have bad news. Faraday kind of offed himself. Because, yeah. as we then uh, find out, one of the rules is if a scythe dies, then the apprentice is being excused from their apprenticeship. Yeah, the, apprentice, the, apprenticeship, the apprentices are effectively free to go. Yeah, so it sounds like Faraday tried to free them from this horrific ordeal by just taking his own life. Which apparently he did by jumping in front of a train, which doesn't sound like Faraday at all. No, but it's a really good way of, like, messing up your body a lot. Yes, it is. And, um, basically, we have a short moment. to be free. Yeah, we have a short moment where they're like, oh my god, we're free. And then Xenocrates goes, but, well, we thought it seems a bit ridiculous that we let you out after we went through all this trouble. So yeah. we had the, yeah, the lucky. Where, yeah, we have... a bit where Rowan is like, in stares into Xenocrates' eyes and is like, "You'll never know what the want of the like people are." Yeah, because you yeah. didn't um, take the boat. Um, hold on, it's. I was merely uh, carrying out the will of the Scythedom, and frankly, I find your insinuation offensive. We never heard the will of the Scythedom. Rowan reminded him, because there was never a vote. Xenocrates stood ending the conversation. <laughs> um, yes, and then we have him basically saying, well, we would have followed the rules, but it says that if a different scythe comes forward saying they want to take on the apprentice from the dead scythe, then they have to go to them. And Curie said she would take on Citra and Goddard, of all people, wants uh, to take on Rowan, so they have no choice in the matter and just get handed off. Yeah, but it's also, like, obvious that uh, Goddard wanted both of them. Yeah, yeah. We have later on, we have that later on where um, Citra asks um, Curie why she um, why she came forward and and Because she's never taken on an apprentice before. Yeah, and she says, well, Goddard was offering to take both of you on, but she didn't want to see a cockfight ensue, basically. 
and them having the conversation about how odd the humans of the, the mortal age were having two chickens fighting each other, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, then we have um, we have Citra and Kiri starting to get to know each other a bit. Um, anyway, this is the point, though, where I went, fuck it, I don't like this story. I don't want to read any more of it. <laughs> fuck this. I mean... Uh, not sure. Not sure how I f- how I felt about the part the first time I read it. Although my immediate thought was, well, obviously Faraday got killed. <laughs> like this is a murder mystery, right? Yeah. So I, I, I didn't, didn't immediately think that, but um, I don't know. I didn't buy the I didn't buy that part from the get go. I was like, oh my god, somebody got murdered here. Who pushed Who pushed Faraday in front of the train? Mm. Um. Yes, because I believe in the worst in people, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, so Citra is going on a gleaning with Curie, who tends to just surprise people with their death. Yeah. And does yeah, like yeah, a, yes quick, no. a quick knifing of a guy who never sees it coming. It's a very different approach to Faraday. Yeah. She, well, she does quick deaths as well, but she's she's out looking for people that are um, stagnant, I think is the word that she used. Yeah, she looks at people and she decides who of them more or less lost their will to live by the sound of it. Yeah, which is fair enough. I mean, I guess that... I feel like there'd be a lot of people that that, that happen to. Yeah, but then also the question is how good are you really at judging people by the way they look? I mean, I have... I have a resting bitch face. I, I don't know what she'd do to me. Yeah, but I think I've... I don't know. I've talked to teachers about this before, and it's not very many people that you come across, but there's nothing going on inside of them. That they're truly... They don't just don't want... They just are going yeah, through the Yeah, but that's the thing. She doesn't alive. talk to them. She doesn't find that out. She just judges by looking at them. Yeah, well, she, the well, she wants to look into their eyes. Oh, yes, she's She makes a point of looking into their eyes. Well, I think that that's kind of true, because, like, if you have dead eyes, you either don't care or you're a murderer, so... Well, wait, now you tell me? You don't have dead eyes. Who knows? You have beady eyes. (laughs) Excuse me? I'm sorry. You have giant beady eyes. You're a... You're a T-Rex. I take offense to that. Also, oh, I'm much taller than you. How can you see my eyes? Because I've climbed a tree. <laughs> Stop mocking me about climbing trees. I know my hands are too small for that, okay? Moving <laughs> uh, on. Okay. Um, yes, so we have... Um, we have the death scene with... Curie, they drive around in a car that is still one of the few manuals that isn't an, an automated yes. car because Curie likes to drive the stick. Yeah. Um, he also lives in a house that's really quite ostentatious, but um, only because she's trying to save it from going derelict. Yeah. And also... Um, Curie has, like, a lot of nicknames, and she's, like, infamous for having killed the last living president. 
And his entire cabinet. <laughs> yes. And basically in, in her early days, it sounds like she, she gleaned a lot of um, like big personalities that she, I don't know, decided deserved it in a way. Yeah, she thinks that they're bad people. Yeah, I mean, she, she doesn't operate like that anymore, but it created a persona for her. I think M Mistress of Death or something like that. Um, the Grand Dame of Death. Ah, yeah. Um, yes. So then we go to Rowan, who is now... No, he <laughs> got the rough end of the stick here. Yes, I mean, Citra basically gets the, like, soul and hearty mentor who's, like, going to show her the ropes, and Rowan is thrown to the fucking wolves. He arrives at the mansion where there's a huge party going on. Goddard is like, come on, friend, this is your party. You're one of us now, one of the greats. And basically they party for, I think, three days or something. Yeah, and he gets his first uh, intimate massage. <laughs> yes. At Goddard's behest. <laughs> yeah, basically, you see the hot chick? Hey, hot chick, come over here, give him a, him a massage. Yeah, my I um, enjoy it too that he talks about like it's really hard to be sad at a party. Like the <laughs> yeah. parties are just so intense that like he can't like be sensible at them, and it's hard not to have fun. Although he's really trying. <laughs> he's trying to concentrate on him dying in a year, but it's too much fun. Yeah. I can't. It's great. That's um, when he also gets introduced to Esme. Yeah, and Goddard basically goes, "This is Esme." You're gonna be super nice to her because if she doesn't like you, you're gonna have a problem. Yeah, Basically she's the making, most important person yeah. at any party. Yeah, making she's clear ten. that she is the VIP. And Rowan, being rightly confused why a scythe would care that much about a little child and why it would live with him. A tubby um, little ten-year-old. <laughs> yes. And um, then we have um, then we have the great scene of Rowan having his, his nanites tweaked. So yeah, that he they actually can... turned off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They turn off the, the painkilling release and they also, I they think, slow off... down the healing, right? No, they, they like, they 100% just turn them off. So his body has to do everything by itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> so usually they would... Um, boost your normal healing abilities. So yeah, they're not so just good for pain, but they also speed up your healing a lot. At some point we have, um, I think it's after that, it's after that, um, after the that dog guy with the, yeah, after the guy with the dogs um, dies, he uh, at some point breaks Faraday's jaw and it said that it would be healed in a couple of hours, so. Yeah. <coughs> if he didn't so, yes. go and get, if he went and got medical attention, he could probably have it fixed pretty much immediately. But yeah, he's just gonna let his own nanites deal with it. Yeah, it's just a broken jaw. Um, yeah. So they turn it all off for Rowan and then start giving him the beating of his life, which yeah. is just such an odd scene. Um, their rite of passage. Yeah, pretty much. So he gets beat up very badly, and then I think 
he's like in and out of consciousness for quite a while. He, he remembers it's Esme like coming to visit him. Yeah. Remembers Esme showing up once in a while at his bed. And then once he actually can keep consciousness, Goddard comes by just like, how are you doing, chap? Just like, it's fine. Um, and then, right, and then Goddard um, activates his healing nanites, but doesn't activate his painkillers. Because yeah. he, wants, he wants Rowan to enjoy the pain. No, he thinks that, like, Rowan must feel pain to feel alive. Yeah. Um, we, we go back to Citra, who's basically just training every day and goes on gleanings with with Kiri, who always invites the family to come for a dinner that she cooks for them afterwards. Yeah, to offer to them immunity them, as well. Yeah, and like make them feel all better about their death and all that. Yeah, and she offers every single one of them the chance to kill her. <laughs> yes. And she offers them immunity and then she's like, now, if you're still mad, please have this knife and feel free to kill me. Yeah, because I'm just going to be revived anyway, and I won't hold it against you. It's only fair. Um, but it sounds like nobody ever took her up on the offer. Oh. At least not in recent history. Yeah. And um, then we have... Um, then one of the, the Glean people um, basically is doesn't have any family except a brother, and he's a tonist, which is yes, the only this is the religions, religion. Yeah, we have, which sounds a bit more like a cult sometimes than a religion, but... I mean, if you'd never experienced religion and only looking at it from the outside, would you not say that most of them are pretty culty? Yeah, that's pretty true. Um, yeah, so the only religion they still have, because they have so much knowledge that the, I think the belief in a, in a greater power kind of lost itself there and the great thing about the tonus is that they believe in the powerful amazing tuning fork <laughs> it's ah, just, the it's great such... question is it a sharp or g flat yeah i love how she uses that later a flat g sharp my bad um, i know i know how music works <laughs> um yeah so so she gets there and there is a huge there's a huge tuning fork and um, I think the guy and she she meets the um, she meets the the brother of the deceased and he's like oh you wanna you know you wanna ring the the fork go ahead ring the fork you know uh, you want to well they have this like terror they have this conversation where he's like well yeah I thought I'm not really gonna do anything about a funeral and he's like what and he's like I don't really want to claim her body like the the great thing in the sky will handle that and and then that like tonists don't believe that death by a scythe is real death or something and yeah they they just yeah they don't believe that the way people live these days is the right way yeah it's and they well i mean I, yeah to some extent to me it sounded like death is coming for all of them it doesn't really matter even if it's delayed at the moment. Yeah. And, and she yeah. gets really pissed off because she's like, you're not doing anything for like her to honor her memory. And he's like, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so she gets really annoyed and then just grabs the, um, I don't know, the, the hammer or whatever it is and hits Pounds the, on the... The, the tuning fork, which is, um, it's, I think it's described as a very powerful, like, hollow sound. Yeah. And it's really strange because she can, she can like, feel it in her jaw and it's echoing in her brain and her gut and her spine and it's... And it, and it makes her relax. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, jarring and soothing at the same time. And she goes, what was that? And, she, and he just goes, G-sharp. Or A-flat. Oh, yeah, although there's a standing argument among the brethren that it's actually A-flat. And, yeah. She basically just goes, well, I'm going to go now. Yeah. So, yes, it's, it's a weird bunch of people. And I think we then have, we then have um, Sidra thinking about the whole uh, Faraday business. Yeah, she thinks he's been murdered. She's come to the conclusion that he was murdered. Yeah. And she wants to find out about it. But the issue is she can't just search the Thunderhead for any recordings from the area. So she has to get sneaky about it. Um, I mean, she she tries to search the Thunderhead um, in the only way she can, but it's just it's too much data. She can't she can't get through all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she goes to Curie and she's like, I want to meet my uh, family because it's I see my family. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So so she wanders around her old neighborhood taking photos of all the places, and also the train station where Faraday died. Yeah, so she can track where the how the information is stored in the back brain. Yeah. So she's doing sneaky way around it. And also we yeah, we have the, the strange interaction with her family who's trying to treat her as normal as they can, but obviously don't. Yeah. And Ben is kind of the only person who still who still treats her. Pretty much the same. He like asks her if she's, she's gonna move away when she starts cleaning people and stuff. She's like, no, I'll still be around. <laughs> Which sounds almost like a threat. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'll be around with my knives. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, then we but, switch but, over to Rowan. Sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah, we're going back to Rowan, who now has to do a lot of fight training. Well, it's also his, but he's been doing a lot of fight training. It's now his uh, opportunity to go to his first mass gleaning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he does a lot of a lot of fight training, and he has to start doing, um, he has to start doing training on real people. Oh yeah. So God, I thought that was after the mass gleaning. I think the mass gleaning comes later in, but I'm not sure. Mm, it because they only do one every um. Um, hold on, hold on. Um, no, it's the people first. Yeah. Yeah. So he 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 did a lot of fight training, and now Goddard is paying people to to be not gleaned by him, but uh, to be rendered deadish. Yes, which is where term. he effectively kills them, and then they go and get revived. Yeah. So they're paid well for it. They're kind of like party goers who get extra jobs, and. 
he he needs to kill all of them except the last one. That one he's not allowed to kill. And he gets like really into it with precision and he's mowing them all down and he has to like consciously stop himself from killing the last person. Yeah. And it really frightens him how easily he he just mows down it. a bunch of people, yeah. And he kind of enjoys it because he enjoys honing his skills. Yeah, and the other the other scythes are are there and they're like cheering for him and everything. And it's it's yeah. bizarre. He's kind of he he kind of in- excels ridiculously at this training. He's kind of amazing. Yeah, he also gets buff. <clears throat> we get told at some point. Oh yeah. He's becoming the man meat. Well, I don't think that's on purpose. I think it's because he's like fucking training his ass off. Yeah, no, I didn't say it's a purpose, but still. The making of the man meat. Oh, come on. You don't know that. You haven't read books two and three. No, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, for now, a little bit of man meat. So, next, um, next we go to the lab. Mm-hmm. We take a fancy helicopter. I think even the I know, helicopter they fly is in... like the color of Goddard's robes. Yeah, it's like bejeweled. Yeah, it's a bejeweled fucking helicopter. And they fly in onto the roof of um, of a laboratory because mass cleanings can also happen at work. Oh, yeah. And the the guard is like, oh, my God, what's happening here? Because he... Yeah, because yeah. there's no announcement, nothing got... Like, how do you just drop out of the sky? <laughs> and and it's like, not like he oh. can say, you aren't allowed here because there's no place a scythe isn't allowed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they just make their way into the building and Rowan just tells him just fucking run. Yeah. And yeah, they make their way through the building. They clean everybody they can. Rowan is trying to, to evacuate as many people as sneakily as he can. Yeah, they also they give him um, a, a Bowie knife and they're like, just break shit yeah. as you go through. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? I'm not allowed to clean anybody. Just break stuff. Yeah. So, so they're, they're very much about destruction and anarchy. Yeah. My I also enjoy that he like runs ahead of the group, tries to evacuate as many people as possible, and then when they come in, just like starts stabbing computers and stuff with <laughs> yeah. the Bowie knife. Uh, yes. And um Afterwards, they go outside and they're like, oh, we stopped the cleaning now. It's it's all done. Well done, everybody. And everyone who managed to stay alive this long can now get immunity. And there's like dozens and dozens of people running up for immunity kiss kisses. Yeah, from the ring, very Pope style. Mm. And um, Goddard just gets tired after a bit, basically hands the ring to Rowan and is like, just... Just hold it out there. It's not like it's a hard job to do. Yeah. And uh, yes, Rowan gets the strange feeling of people fighting to to kiss his ring, which must be super weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then there's a big feast. Yes, because once again, party time. Party time, party time. Um, yeah. But Rowan abandons the party to go and play cards with Esme. Esme. Yeah, and um, he basically teaches him how to play cards. Yeah, and he also meets uh, Chomsky, I think it was. Um, uh, no, wait, it was Walter. No. Walter. Yeah, Walter. Yeah, he he meets Walter, who's um, who's 
in tears and just shaking from the from the mass cleaning and he realizes that Volta is probably the only one who doesn't enjoy the the mass cleaning. So they have a bit of a conversation and they start to bond basically over both of them not really enjoying Goddard's methods. Yeah, and he realizes that Volta is not um that much older than he is. Yeah. Like really? in his twenties. Yeah. Um Yes, so I think Volta finds a bit of a companion there. And, well, Rowan has to realize that not everybody loves massacring people. Um, yeah, which is good. It's good. Humans yes. are good, mostly. Um, yeah, the Harvest Conclave next, right? Yeah, it is. And once again, you know... She, uh, Citra and Kiri, just showing up on foot while people are rolling up in their fancy cars and everything. Yeah. Right up until they get mobbed, right, when they realize who she is. Yes, people are trying to, um, to get a... Touch her. (laughs) Yeah, and also there's a, there's a cameraman trying to get close-up footage and all that. Oh no, this is because she slaps the dude first and then the cameraman like gets up in her face and she fucking hurls his camera away and is like, <laughs> you will show some respect. Yes. Um, Rowan is there and he, because of, because he's with Goddard, he, I think, gets a lot of attention from the other apprentices now and the young sides. Yeah, they want to attach themselves to his rising star. Which <laughs> yes. I, because he was in the video footage of, like, Kissing of the Ring and stuff like that. He's in... Yeah, which you would think should... Like, there should be response from the the high um, the high side, basically, going, Oh, you're not allowed to let apprentices use your ring. It's not how this works. Yeah, nobody, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. So Rowan and Sidra have a bit of a an odd meeting, I guess. Because mm. he's he's standing there with other people looking very popular and Citra's just like, oh, you found new friends quickly. And she goes to leave and he like immediately runs after her. Because <laughs> they're real cute. Yeah, and to be fair, <clears throat> I mean, she, she has no idea what he's going through the whole time. Yeah. And, I mean, judging him is a big it's a bit um, bit shitty of her seeing how she got the the real pleasant time and he's just being turned into a murder machine. Yeah, hers uh, is more of a psychological thing. Yeah. Um. So they have that. Everything happens the same way as last time, and they have their test. And this time it's about uh, Bokator, so they have to do a. They fight, fight each other. Yeah, and of course they have to fight each other and nobody of the others. Because what else? Yeah. Um, and Rowan is trying to throw the match on purpose. Yeah, and she's also trying to throw the match. Yeah, she's she's catching on to it and she's like, well, I can be as bad as you. Mm. And um, he realizes that whichever way this ends, it would end badly. So he, he can't really lose unless he disqualifies himself, then she would be the yeah. winner no matter what she does. Um, 
<clears throat> so he decides yeah. to make her think that he really has turned into a monster like Goddard and just snaps her neck. Yes, in an illegal move. Yeah. So she's, just... off to the, she's off to the hospital because she's deadish for a few days. And Goddard's like, party time! <laughs> yeah. Goddard is like, I'm so proud of you. This is my man. That's how you do it. Yeah. Where any other side would have been, you broke the rules. This is not allowed. What's gotten into you? I'm going to punish you. I mean, I think Xenocrates is like, you will be punished by your scythe. And then he gets home and the scythe is like, this was We're awesome. having a party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You broke her neck like bam. So, yeah. yes. Got out very proud. And Rowan is like, she's going to hit me now, but at least it's going to make it easier when she kills me. Yeah. Well, we should also mention that she she told um, Rowan about the investigation. Investigation. Yeah. So she's told her about the whole the idea about Faraday, and once Rowan is, is back at the mansion, he asks Goddard <clears throat> if he uh, heard the rumors that maybe Faraday was murdered. And Goddard is like, "You want to be careful who you're accusing here." And immediately also makes the connection that Sidra has to be, like, in on the whole thing as well, which just makes you think, man, Rowan, could you put her in any more danger than going ahead and basically telling the guy you think uh, killed Faraday that she's investigating him? Yeah. It was a very stupid move. And I think he knew it was a stupid move as soon as it came out of his mouth. (laughs) Yes. Sadly, too late. So, um... At this party, too, Xenocrates appears. Yes, he's been uh, kind of summoned by Goddard. Yeah. Who goes, well, let's have a chat. Oh, look who's here, the little Esme. Yeah. And Xenocrates clearly immediately recognizes her. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. and Goddard is starting to threaten Esme, and um, Xenocrates Subtlety. just goes, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, and, and I think she suggests that she wants Xenocrates to go dancing, and Goddard is like, why doesn't he jump in the pool? And she's like, yeah, he should jump in the pool! Yes, and then Xenocrates is like thinking about it for a moment, but she has a knife to her to her neck that she doesn't see. Yeah. And eventually he just dives into the pool, leading to the um, awkward He's moment covered his, in gold! Yeah, heavy golden cloak dragging him to the bottom. Um, we have Rowan and Tiger, who's now really in professional... A professional partier! Yeah, who's there too. They both jump in and free him from his cloak and save him. For which he doesn't say yeah. thank you. Not at all. And Tiger's like bringing him his, his ring from the, from the pool, only later realizing that he should have kissed it. Yeah. Like, damn, I really missed a chance there. Um, and Xenocrates pretty much just leaving. And we have the, the clear situation of Goddard having everyone in their pocket, in his pocket. Yeah. And um, we also get uh, Voltaire overhearing that uh, Xenocrates and Goddard are going to get rid of the girl. Yeah, the, the girl isn't going to be a problem in a week anymore. Yeah, um, and yeah, Voltaire also lets Rowan know that it's 
um, and Esme is uh, Socrates's illegitimate daughter, and she's yeah. also illegal. I mean, he doesn't say it outright. Rowan actually connects the dots without much. Oh yeah, she comes by it. A lot. She comes by her uh, rotundness uh, genetically. <laughs> yes, and Rowan just goes, mm, "Interesting." Um, yeah, we also have then Rowan um, writing one of his um, one of his journal entries where he's like. Well, God, that is a monster. And then just carefully tearing the page down and going, I killed 12 people today. I did very well. <laughs> Goddard is very proud of me. This is great. Because he knows that Goddard is reading all of his journal entries. Yeah. So he has to keep it clean. Yeah. Yeah. All I right. Mean, and then we switch back to Citrus' perspective. Yeah. Who's doing more, more exercising, who then confides into... Curie that she thinks Faraday has been murdered and that she's been doing investigations. And Curie's her. like, don't tell anybody about this. I will look into it. And, and she's like, too late. <laughs> yeah. And the next time Curie's like out of the house, uh, people are coming to arrest Citra now. Yeah. Um, basically accusing her of the murder of Faraday. Yeah. And, they... and to prove it, um, yeah. He shows her one of Faraday's journal entries that has been torn out. Yes, which basically says um, he, he's worried he's going to get murdered in the night. Yeah, he's fe- he's fearful of his apprentice because she keeps coming into my room at night, and it can only have one meaning: she means to kill me. Yes, <laughs> which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> yes, just imagine somebody standing next to you in bed at night when you sleep. God. Yeah. Um, yes, and she's like super, super heartbroken because she never thought Faraday would think something like that of her. But also, she's never been sneaking into his room at nighttime. So I mean, she has been in his room with the ring, the scene where she she comes into his room while he's um, sleeping to I think it was to to bring him new. That was Rowan. No, no, Rowan that was goes. Her. That I was her, that... and then and then Faraday at the end goes, um, uh, let's see how long it takes Rowan. Oh, okay. So she came in to, to bring him fresh water or curiosity, or I don't know. She milk. comes into his room. Oh, yeah, milk. And sees the ring sitting on the nightstand, and she just she can't help herself. She picks it up, and then it starts going freezingly cold. And yeah, and it freezes off her finger. Yeah, she gets frostbite. Um... And Faraday basically goes, like, I'm surprised you held off this long. I thought you you would give in earlier. And now put the ring back on the nightstand and we'll see how long it takes Rowan. Yeah. Um, yes, so Xenocrates is accusing her of, um, of killing Faraday and basically goes, well, you're going to get... You know, we don't have any prisons anymore, but we have the old ones and we can have them... We can uh, have them renovated, basically, to just house you. And as soon as um, Winter Conclave comes, Rowan will become the next site, and then he can glean you. And she's yeah. like, mm, not into this. And she, not into this at all. And But she has her hands tied together. And she's like, well, Boku, whatever Boku-tour. it is. Boku-tour um, is all about uh, knees elbows, and elbows. elbows. Yeah. 
Which to me sounds like Muay Thai. Um, <laughs> she's just shoving people effectively. Yeah, she just tries to get out of the way and then jumps off the edge of the building. Yeah, which is handy because it's the tallest building. So she makes, yeah. uh, I think it says somewhere too that this was without a doubt the best splat ever. <laughs> yes. And um, then she basically, she's still unconscious, but some something is talking to her and it turns out that the Thunderhead activated just enough of her brain um, so that so they can communicate her. with her yeah but yeah, she's technically think... still not alive and that's why he's allowed to talk to her because as long as she's dead she can't be a scythe because if you're dead you're nothing yeah um and we should also mention that when she gets when she hits the ground there's pretty much immediately like already there um the normal police who are yeah. only only subject to scrutiny under the eyes of the Thunderhead, right? And yeah, the, the, if the Thunderhead re- reviving yeah. crew. Yeah, and if the Thunderhead sent them, then it's clearly not a scythe matter. And because the scythe can't talk to the Thunderhead, there is no greater power for him to talk to other than literally like the the medic and yeah. the police officer. And they so he they like Thunderhead like thwarts them in that kind of sense, and then like takes her to a, a medical facility that's as far away from mid-America as possible. Yeah, they go to the to, to the south, almost to the border in the south. And, I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a clever way in the end of just going, well, she's dead right now, so she can't be a scythe apprentice. <laughs> she's just dead. And just if she's person. dead, yeah, and if she's just dead remains, then that means she belongs to the Thunderhead. <laughs> Until she's back alive, then she's a scythe apprentice again, and then she's no longer the Thunderbird, Thunderhead's more under its Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they have until she she is well enough to be woken up. Uh, Yeah. So they talk about um, so the the Thunderhead says that he's been watching the the happenings of the the scythe dim and. He's, well, it is very, very concerned about what's going on. Yeah, it's worried. Yeah, and she's like, well, can you tell me who killed Faraday? And it's like, no, I can't do that. But what I can't, yeah. So yeah, but it then, goes, I, I can give you something because I think you would come across it all on your own. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like the... I like the moment of, uh, like, she basically asks if he, if he can't find another loophole. And it just goes, just a moment. Just a moment. Why am I seeing a beach ball? Oh, forgive me. Early programming. <laughs> yes. And then, yeah, it basically goes. Well, I, I can give you, I can give you something that, by my predictions, you would have found out a hundred percent by yourself. So. Yeah. So he gives her a name. Yeah. Do you know his name? Gerald Vandergans. <laughs> Yeah. It's a great name, and I mean, honestly, if I would have been Citra, I would have forgotten it the minute <laughs> I woke up. Yeah. But, yeah, and then um, and then it just goes, goodbye, Citra. I hope we speak again, but I'd have to be dead for that to happen. I'm sure you could arrange it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is, I like that the AI has a bit of spunk to it. Yeah. Um... um so she wakes in uh, 
the Chile Argentine region with Curie by her side. Because she got notified. No, not yet. She she's still she's still in the Mid America one. No. Yeah. She definitely then... wakes up in no, she wakes up in Argentina. Because they all speaking Spanish. I thought it was Curie who drove her to Argentina. No, she she wakes up in Chile, Argentina, because then she has to get, like get into the Amazon. Oh, okay. And it would yes. take way. Oh. Yeah. So Curie, Curie uh, has been notified and immediately travelled to her, but the um, the well, scythe, the um, I don't know, guards or whatever, are pretty yeah, much on Curie... their tail. Curie got notified by one of her friends, but as soon as um, Citra wakes up, she becomes property of the Scythum again, and they get notified that she where she is and that she's awake. Yeah, so they're already on her tail, so Curie promptly puts her onto the back of the car and starts driving. Yeah, and takes her to her friend's house. Uh, yes, which... Sadly, doesn't have much. I mean, she's there for, I think, enough days to recover to a good stage. Yeah. But then the, the Chile-Argentinian sites are, are now on her tail, so they have to separate. And she basically gets packed a, a bag full of weapons. She gets a bag full of weapons, some an toned, toned clothes, some normal clothes, and yeah. yeah. And is sent um, off with the knowledge, go north and find this guy. And she gets the address from, um, uh, from, see, I Curie. already forgot it. She gets the address from Curie. So Curie yeah. also admits that um, the original journal guy. entry, yeah, she knows the guy, but the original journal entry for which Far- for which is the evidence for her accusation was actually about Curie, who was trying to sneak into Faraday's bed, not to <laughs> murder him, um, when but she was his apprentice. Things. Yeah. Yeah, basically going, well, I I was young, and he was a hot side. What can you do? Yeah. And basically also tells her that years later, they did become lovers. <laughs> But yeah, then because... they were found out by the Scythedom who went, mm, no, 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 you're each gonna, um, I think they had to die seven deaths for the seven years they were together. Yes. And then they had 70 years of not being allowed to interact with one another <laughs> put upon them. Yeah, but they didn't get um, removed from the Scythedom and then murdered, which is what they had originally feared. Yeah. But it also sounds like a lot of the punishment seems to be not not actually killing them. Yeah, and the well, the idea is that the punishment was severe enough that um, it was to discourage anybody else. Yeah, and also, I mean, by their own laws, I don't know if they would be allowed to kill other sides as punishment. No, they would have to, but they could. No, but if they were removed from the scythedom, then they could be. Yeah, but then one of the laws is also that you have to do your scythe duty until you die. So you, it's, it's kind of a, a tricky spot there. I think that's why they do all the, you have to do this many deaths um, in a row, because there aren't that many punishments they can actually threaten them with. Yeah. And we do have, um, I think at one of the conclaves, we have one of the sites being reprimanded for, for something, and... He now um, 
what was it? He, he says, doesn't get to. He doesn't glean anybody. He, yeah. He gets a. He has to wait um, until the next year of a reptilian animal till he yeah. gets to glean again. And because they're super random, it could be next year or it could be in a thousand years. Yeah, we will never know. Which is just great. It's like random punishments. Um, yeah. So then we have just we have. Citra making her way north with the address of this great Gerald Vendogans. Yeah, while being pursued by the the rest of the sides. I really enjoyed this too, where they knock on the door of the home where Kiri is staying, right as um, Citra gets pushed out the door, and the guy's yeah. like, he got he got his gun out, and he's like super excited to like potentially use it, and he's like, this is gonna be an easy task. Everybody's gonna think I'm awesome, like. And he is get a, they like open the door and he gets a little bit starstruck and she opens the door and like yells at them in Spanish and he was like ah and then they're like we know she's here you can't hide her and he's like mm. she's like fine and like um, would you like to stay for di- for lunch and he's like no where is she and she's like are you sure you don't want to stay for lunch and he's like no and like threatens her with the gun she pulls like like a grenade launcher and he's like holy shit like my gun can do nothing compared to that and she like turns around. Yeah, and like shoots out the door behind them, and they get knocked out by the wave, and it look, and she's she like fires again, and they're like, holy shit, and she's blown up all of the cars. Yeah, and then she goes, well, it looks like you'll have to stay for lunch now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a great badass scene. Oh, um, it was. Oh, gave me chills. This is where I was like, I'm back in. I'm back into the story. <laughs> Um, yeah, then we have, I mean, we have a bit of travels with Citra, and then she arrives at the address, and she thinks that the, the Thunderhead gave her the address of the killer, right? Yeah. So she's so like... She's, she's, talking, she's talking through the different ways that she can murder him, and she, but yeah. she then like, if I kill him, immediately the drones will come and, like, try and take care of him, so, like, I just and kind of need to... also find me. Yeah. So she needs to be right. smart about it, and then she sees somebody... Yeah, and then she sees somebody coming out walking on the deck, and she just goes in and, like, knocks him over the head. No, she, no, she doesn't. She shoot him in the leg, and then she's like, holy shit, and recognizes him, and then she drops him and, like, cracks his skull. Um, yeah, hold on. Um, yeah, she fires at his knees, um, he wails and goes down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically, as he's bleeding um, onto the ground. It's just like, Citra! <laughs> She's like, shit, it's Faraday. Yeah, so that's it. turns out that's his birth name. Yeah, he's, a, he's the good old Gerald Vendergans. I mean, I can see why he changed that name. Yeah, Vendergans is, a, is quite a name. Yes, yes it is. I'm really what sorry for anybody mean? out there with the name. What does it mean? It from the Gans? What does Gans mean? I don't know. I mean the closest the closest to a German word would be Gans, which is um um it's not a duck, it's not a swan, it's a goose. That's what I was looking for. He's like from the, from the goose. The geese? He's from the goose. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's it means something else in Danish or okay. or maybe um, I think it would be Danish by the sound of it. I'm not sure. Mm, I would I would think maybe Danish or or like maybe the Netherlands something about that region. 
I will type it. It's fine. I will see what I can do. I want to know if it's got like a secondary meaning. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. Okay. So. No, it's it's from the goose. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting because. Yeah. Because then and like der ganz yeah okay but the the van in there is usually something you find further north. Yeah, it's Dutch. It's Dutch, yeah. but it's there we from go. the goose. Okay. okay, excellent. So yes, he's from the goose. Great. He's of goose. Well, yes. Stop insulting his mother. <laughs> I didn't even think of it like that. All right, moving on. It's 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 Faraday, and we're gonna keep okay, calling him yes. Faraday because it's a better name. Yes, it's Faraday. He he uh, is like, how how did you find me? Why are you here? What's going on? You should be back home with your family, and everything should be fine. That's why I faked my death. And he he realizes that she's both the messenger and the message that shit is not going the way they had planned. Yeah, and she's and, like, oh my god, you don't know. And he's like, no, what? And she <laughs> launches into a basically telling him all that has happened, and he's just like, holy shit, what did I do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, he couldn't keep up with the news, but he should have kept up with the news. How? He's in hiding. He doesn't yeah, have any I'm, friends. I mean, I know, but if he can, if um, Curie even knows his address where he is, I'm pretty sure they could have worked out a system. Written him a letter. Yeah, just like one message of saying everything that happens and just shit is burning up. Get your ass back here. <laughs> no, because he has to be careful. Anyway. Right, so, moving on. Moving on. Yeah, so... I'm so hungry. Yes. It's been so long. <laughs> so he pretty much just goes, okay, um, well, seeing how I'm not dead, you're still my apprentice, so tell me all your poisons, and he starts getting back into... Training. Yeah. Um, then we have... He, we're back at with Rowan, who's just... He, he finds out that Citra's disappeared from Volta and what she's been accused of and obviously he knows that that's all bullshit mm. and realizes that Xenocrates is just accusing her of something to get her out of the way so that Goddard can have his his prized apprentice uh, being anointed um, Volta also tries to convince Rowan that he needs to win and that he needs to kill her that's just it's just how it's gonna go and then afterwards you and me can can separate from Goddard and make our own way, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, I mean, right up until um, yeah. Goddard takes them on a gleaning rampage in the Tonist closet. Yeah. Oh, sorry, um, Cloister. Yeah, so we, um, we are back for a little bit um, with Curie, too, um, who tells... Citra, um, that she can't trust Rowan anymore after what he did and everything. And Citra's like, he could be a good scythe too. And she's like, no, not if he's been training with Goddard, he won't. Yeah. And yeah, so she's, Curie has been telling everybody in the scythe the truth about the, the page from Faraday. And then Citra's being, I mean, they don't even make a big deal about her. Um, being yeah, 
pronounced Accused innocent. Accused because... and then innocent, yeah. Yeah, because he... Zenocrates would have to admit that he was wrong and made a mistake, so he just pretends like nothing happened. And but everybody's like, this is the best outcome. She's like, mm, okay. Yeah, so she's she's allowed to come back to Mid-America without being prosecuted. Um, and then Goddard plans another big attack, and I think it's Volta who goes, well, you know, we kind of already reached our limit for this, for this, this year. Yeah. And Goddard's and like, like, I won't be limited. Yeah, and he's like, this is gonna, yeah, this is going to count towards next year's totals anyway, because we're going to slip like across the time and date line or something. And then no, we're going to come back. Yeah, I think he pretty much just goes, I'm going to kill people. What are they going to do? Yeah, no, there's something about trying to justify it against next year's totals. I don't know. I think they're pretty close to New Year's anyway. Yeah. Because he's already planning the, the New Year's gala for when they come back. Yeah. Um, yes, so they make their way to a cloister, which Rowan is, like, really creeped out. Like, he's not, nobody's a fan of the Tonus. They all think they're kind of <laughs> Creepy cultists. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> creepy cultists. Um, but this is, like, too much even for him, because like, uh, these are just probably a hundred people or so being perfectly peaceful, just doing their shit here, and we're coming and killing them, not to mention that they have schools on the ground, too. Yeah. So he realizes they're going to kill children as well. And he's... Well, no, he's, I don't think he does, not until he finds um, Voltaire again. Yeah. So, so he's <clears throat> supposed to he's supposed to do his first gleaning there. Goddard is like, well, who cares about the rules? Um, you're going you're gonna to do glean. gleaning today and we're just going to counter towards my tally and that way yeah. you will have earned your badge in a way. But yeah, and so Rowan's job is stand outside of the like the main gate of the closet. Yeah, oh, and kind of take, take everybody down who's trying to escape. Which of course he doesn't. He's putting the leaving the door open but because people see him and his wristband they run away from him, so he decides to abandon his post in the hopes that people will then leave through the gate. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like, it's damn it, this is not working. So yeah. he's walking around the grounds and he finds Volta, who's completely within sobs and is covered in blood, and basically tells him that there was a school with children in it and he didn't want to do it, but he killed all he of them. He did, yeah, he killed all of the children. And then he, he slits his wrist. I mean, um, he already has, so that's that's when Rowan realizes that the blood, that all of the blood on him isn't just from the people he killed, but a lot of it is yeah. his own that's just seeping out of him. Yeah. And he kind of dies in Rowan's arms. He he tells him his real name, Sean Dobson, and he's like, would you call me by my real name? And he's like, yes, I promise. It's an honor and, to know you. I, yeah, I thought he, that like, was it. Yeah, and he has to promise him that he will be he'll be a, a better scythe. Yeah. Um, so from there Rowan is like not in a great spot and goes to find Goddard. And Goddard's look, look, I saved you one. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like I, I, I saved you, I think the, the main priest, like the yeah. the head priest of the Tonist. Head Tonist, yeah. <laughs> the head Tonist. Um, yeah. And yes. He hands and, 
throw in his like samurai sword, right? Because they're doing this whole thing with samurai swords. Yes, there's a samurai theme going on. Um, and Rowan like turns around and like but, guts Goddard. Um, yeah. And then turn around and slices off his head. Yeah, just to, ju- just for just for um, you know, to make sure. Yeah. A, a normal a normal wound seems a, a bit too. Too little here at this point. So taking off his head, which was a nice touch. Yeah. And then the Tonus priest goes, You like, if you run now, like, we'll cover you, we can hide you. And he goes, No, just leave, just run. And then we get um Mr. The the other flamethrower and Chomsky. I can't remember the other guy. Yeah, Chomsky's the flamethrower guy and the other guy. There are yeah. like two so, other sadists. Yeah, so Chomsky's coming in and it's like, what the fuck did you do? Yeah, and Chomsky he... started burning down the building anyway. Yeah, and then Rowan just takes down Chomsky because, bam, he's like super fucking trained now. Yeah, he is one of the elite. But he takes down both of them. and then Yeah, he, he takes down Chomsky first and I think that's actually when the the other guy comes in as well. Ah, okay. Or the, the chick. Um, yeah. He then puts on Goddard's robes, right, and goes yeah. outside. And I think he also takes the flame. flame. I think he, she, uh, he also takes the flamethrower and makes sure that everything is really on fire. Yeah, really on fire. <laughs> like um, the, nothing is gonna stand here. Yeah, and, and he tells the firefighters who arrived they're allowed to save the buildings around them, but they have to leave the fire on the Turnus cult, like yeah. in the main. Yeah, and. The the firefighter notes that he's wearing a a cloak that doesn't fit him right, and he thinks that he's probably just some guy trying to pass off as a scythe, enjoying the the view of all the the mayhem and carnage. Mm. And that's when he's like putting on his his most serious voice and just shouts at him like, "I said it's a scythe action, and you will not intervene. I will green yeah. you right now." Oh, and the fire captain is just like. I'm sorry, oh, Your yeah, Honor. Okay. Yeah, he was like, that was remarkably easy to use that big, big dad voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he, yeah, he does say you can you can save all the other buildings, but the one that is burning, you're gonna let burn to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and then effectively like walks back in. So I don't know why he didn't just like. Eh. He walks back in like to get rid of the robe. Um. Yes. And I think he's um. Yeah, he's he's walking away as everything behind him turns to ash. Yeah, it's like the ending of the chapter. And, and then he yeah, has he's, a, yeah. he's with Xenocrates next, who's like, it's such a tragedy. It's so. We sad. should probably have an investigation into what went on because we can't find Goddard's head. <laughs> yes, and witnesses say that another scythe was at the the scene. And then left. It's like, yes, I was at the scene because I was had had to stand by the door. I had to stand by the gate. I was the gatekeeper. Yeah, and then Rowan basically just goes, well, you know, the uh, Esme needs, um, or we arra- I arranged for Esme to go back to her mother. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it would be a good idea if you drove her there. Yeah. It's like um, heavily implying that he knows yeah. that Esme is his 
daughter. And, and yeah, they have, like, the unspoken agreement that... Um, the investigation will go away if Rowan yeah, doesn't I, say it. I, I like the phrasing of it, the, the high blade would cease shaking the tree and Rowan yeah. would keep the high blade secret safe. Yeah. And I think we also have that, um, have, like, a, um, a journal entry from, um, from the first, the world's first supreme blade. Yeah. Which is such a great title. And it's all about, um, you know, Scyther being humanity's highest calling and, um, um, and, and that it's like a secret sacrament and everything. Mm. Right after we have all this fucking intrigue going on the Scyther now. Yeah. And that's when... Yeah, that's when we roll into January, Winter Conclave happening. It's the year of the Capybara. Uh, is that a reptile? No. I'm pretty sure Capybara are those weird mammal thingies. Oh, yeah. No, I think I know what that is. They're uh, like a South American creature, right? I think so. I'm not super polished up on my animals. Neither am I. Um... But yes, no luck for the other side for now. Maybe next year. Um, so yes, everybody's arriving back at the conclave. It's the 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 day before the the conclave meeting, and they're gonna have their test that evening. Yeah. And then it will be announced the next day who who won and who didn't. And <clears throat> we get it from Citra's perspective, who tries to get out of Curie. What, what's going to happen, and she's like, I can't tell you. And she goes in there, and it's the Bejeweling Committee. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a fucking great name. Yes, they're so, not the people who put the jewels on the robes, which is what I thought their first job was, but they're actually the people that bestow the ring of sight. Yeah, because you're not them. supposed to have jewels on your robes. And there's nothing against it. No, but... It does sound like it's something that only the eccentric god got a troop did. Yeah, but there's also that woman who was a, who only got her scythehood like the last conclave, and um, she's wearing like designer robes and they're orange and yellow. <laughs> yeah, they're striped. She looks ridiculous. Yeah. At least by anyway, what Rowan yeah. says. Um, yes, yeah, so. We have a go in, there's the bejeweling committee, it's like, I think, four or five people, and um, she sees her brother Ben sitting tied to a chair down the, the narrow room, mm. and they basically go, well, you have to kill your brother, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and they do make they... it clear that, that he's not being gleaned, he will be revived, but they want to see how she would glean. Yeah, I figured it would be something like this, that they would do their first gleaming under the committee. Um, but I didn't think that it would be family. Yeah. Because so they she's... still have immunity. Yeah. And she's she's really struggling against it. Um, but she also remembers Kiri going, that she believes in her and she knows she can do it and all that shit. And so she's like, fine, I'll do it. And she, she goes there, she, she unties Ben. And she, like, explains to him that she she has to do this now, but she'll do it quick, and she'll get the best ice cream ever. 
Yes, because the best ice cream ever is at the Rejuvenation Center. Yeah. So. And she like pre-orders it for him, and I buy that. Then. <laughs> yeah. So she has him close his eyes and tell her what his favorite ice cream would look like, and then she, I think, slits his throat, something like that. Something. I yeah. Something quick. Yeah. So it's a, it's a quick death, and then you can hear the bejeweling committee in the background talking. Um, talking about it, and someone goes, well, that was sloppy, and the other one was like, no, there's barely any blood, and the next person goes, but she put the, like, she let the boy hold the weapon before she did it. Yeah, and, and she, they were like, no, it's compassionate. She was, like, seeing out his needs, and you're like, me, me, that opinion. So they're, yeah, they're fighting about, and they're basically saying, well, you did it, you can go, we'll make up our mind. Yeah. And, and uh, somebody, so that I can't remember who's talking Curie. to her about, Curie's talking to her about Rowan's, and she was like, he did it before they even ex- finished explaining what the task was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, um, she comes back and says, what about Rowan? Um, Curie wouldn't look at her. He drew the pistol as his weapon, and uh, Curie still hesitated. Tell me, he pulled the trigger even before they finished reading the instructions. <laughs> and it was his mother. Yeah, yeah. But this is the woman who couldn't remember anything about her son. So <laughs> true. Um, yes, and then we we get to Winter Conclave. They meet there. Uh, Citra is being like spoken to a lot of the the size that Curie introduced her to, and she's already been welcoming into the the size. Yeah, everybody's basically. like, yeah. And there are a lot of rumors oh, circulating. My favorite bit too. Yeah. Yes. There are a lot of rumors circulating. Like half of the people think that Rowan did kill Goddard and his crew. Yeah. And the other half is like, no, he, he was a victim of this tragic event. And it's it's very much split in the middle by the sound of it, at least at the yeah. beginning. And then he fucking arrives wearing entirely black, which we which haven't is mentioned. Not allowed. Like. It's not not allowed. It's like culturally, everybody's like we wear bright colors and we don't like we're not grim about death. Like we, yeah, at all. don't do that. And he like everybody like wears bright colors and bedazzled and bejeweled robes and all this kind of thing. And he arrives just wearing fucking black. Yes. Oh, oh but just the one oh. color that they're, they're not supposed to do or that nobody would do because it's a. It's it's very inappropriate looking like the actual Grim Reaper. Yes. But he is all about it and I love it. There's no fucks left to give now. No. Rowan is like, well, I know what I am. So he comes in, he talks to some people who um, who were fans of Goddard and uh, are kind of on the side. and they, Yeah, they see him as the next one. Yeah, and I think... Um, I don't think they actually talk to each other until they they get called up um, for the yeah the announcement of the results. And they they rise, they stand there, and it's been it's been announced that Sidra has won and Rowan has not. Yeah. And like there's no surprise. Which that's yeah, no way. As if the high scythe didn't like interfere with that as well. Yeah, like, and m- making it clear that he had no intention of keeping any words to Rowan, mm. but choosing the the one person that has nothing against him in her hand, she's clearly the yeah. safer choice for him. 
and um, she chooses the name Anastasia Romanov. Yes, which, which I like. I mean, it's not a terrible choice, but could have been better. Well, the, her, I think the justification for it is pretty good. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the fact that they, uh, with the whole um, cat and mouse game with Citra and Rowan, they pretty much took away her choice. She she had to choose Scythedom or basically death. be fine with death. Yeah. So they took away her, her life and her and her choices in life. So she chose the name of a woman who who was killed early, who's had her life and her choices taken away too. Yeah, who could have been a, a great potential leader. Yeah. Um because yes, Xenocrates kinda of complains at first because she wasn't she wasn't a, a person who contributed anything great to society, which usually is the, the tradition. Yeah. And she gives the explanation and stuff, and this is the only part where I got really nitpicky, because everyone is called by their last name, right? Mm. Faraday, his first name is technically Michael something, but it's Faraday. Everybody calls him Seth Faraday. Everybody calls Scythe um, Curie by her last name, Xenocrates, so on and so forth. But from here on out to the end of the chapter of the book, she keeps being called Scythe Anastasia. They're just wrong. She's Scythe Romanov. Well, I think part of that is also they're trying to, like, disrespect her choice. I don't know. It just, it really annoyed me whenever I read it again. I was just like, no, you fuckers. That's not her name. Or it's not her title. Or it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think part of it is, like, you know how um, you would always refer to the adults around you by their title and last name. But they, nobody ever refers to children as their, like, last name. And, and because she's brand new, I think part of it, like, everybody's like, well, we know who you truly are. Until you get lost in this new, like, identity, we have, like, we're senior to you and we're going to call you your child name. Uh, maybe, but they're still to the whole your honor shit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so she chooses her name and he's like, well, that sounds great if... I would stand up and applaud with the rest of the, the crowd if I wouldn't already be standing. Yeah. And um, they ask her what method she chooses. She chooses the blade. And he's just, I think he goes, you know, it's, it's fine. You go ahead. Um, yeah. And she immediately about, turns around and, oh, yeah. He, he asks about Ben, how he's doing. And, I've, yeah, kind of... Make it be clear to her that he isn't the monster that she wasn't sure Everyone he might needs. be. Yeah. And yes, then she basically goes, this is for breaking my neck. And, and punches just, him with her ring! Yeah, just straight up into the face. And cutting him across, across his cheek with the sharp edges of the gigantic uh, stone. <laughs> yeah, and stone ring. Yeah, and then she like lifts uh, lifts the knife and is about to glean him when um, some parliamentarian shouts stop and like her ring is glowing red and all of the rings in the vicinity are glowing red. Yeah, and they realize that the blood that got on her ring granted him immunity, even much more secure than if he would have just kissed it because his DNA is on that shit now. 
Yeah. And everybody's like, woo, she did it on purpose. And she's like, how, I did not interfere with the procedure at all. I didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. This is I all you, to, somebody else. I was about to bleed him. You shouted, I should stop. And oh, I'm just so happy. Um, yes. So. And she's like. They're, they're debating, they're debating if they should uh, imprison him somehow oh, for a year. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, Until so. Yeah, so they they could glean him afterwards and what to do, and um, uh, hold on, and she just um, she just leans over to him and whispers, "There's a tray of knives next to you, and a car waiting uh, for you at the exit." Then she leaned away, leaving his uh, future family in his own hands. He thought he could not be more impressed by her. She had just uh, proved him wrong. "I love you," he said. "Same here," she responded. "Now get lost." <laughs> um, and I love this next part too he was a wonder to watch he took three blades from the tray and somehow managed to wield all of them <laughs> which I try to imagine but I can't I can't visibly see him using three knives yeah. at once it is a wonder I love that the, and then he describes it it's like the lucky had only their robes sliced the less lucky um like we're, we're taken to the we're taken by the the medical bots immediately. Yeah, <laughs> having to go to the revival center, and also how she says that just he he was so fast she didn't even see him injure anybody. They just dropped. Yeah, and within like no time at all he just fucking he's disappeared. Out the door. Yeah, oh my God. Ah, it's amazing. I love you. And then own. yeah, there's a car waiting. He he hops into the car and sees a ghost on the driver's seat and just, good evening, Rowan. <laughs> Close the door, it's positively arctic outside. What, how are you not dead? I could ask you the same question. <laughs> and they, yeah. It's Faraday, it's clearly Faraday. It's Faraday, guys. Yes, yes, okay. and they've uh, sped off into the night. And then the, the last thing we have is a journal entry from the now um, honorable Scythe Anastasia once again. Everywhere, so even in her own head, she called herself Scythe Anastasia. Oh, do you think that's part of the because of the history? Like, nobody calls her Romanov. Like, everybody refers to her as Anastasia. And when you go, like, when you refer to somebody, like, unless you know them personally as being called Anastasia, nobody would, if you just started talking about Anastasia, they'd immediately know who you were talking about. Maybe she's doing it as a, like, a bit of a fuck you. I'm having an issue with consistency. That's all I'm saying. Let my... Let my OCD be itself. I just think it's it's more of an emphatic thing rather than a and then a lack of planning thing. Maybe. Um, yes. So at the end we have her her journal entry. Basically, um, some yada yada humankind stuff. But the really nice bit is at the end. Um, saying that there's, uh, according to rumor, there's somebody out there seeking out corrupt and uh, despicable sides and ending their existence by fire. Uh, mm. uh, one thing is certain, he's he's um, not an ordained scythe, and yet people have started to call him Scythe Lucifer. <laughs> I'm terrified that it might be true, but more terrified that I might want it to be true. Um, and basically she goes and... If ever Scythe Lucifer comes my way, I hope he'll see me as one of the good ones, the way he once did. And yeah. that is the end. 
And I very yeah. much like to uh, like like the image of Rowan just going about mowing down the bad sides. Like you think nobody can kill you, motherfucker! I don't give a shit. Bam. Yeah. Also he's that he's like... burning them all down. And that the Thunderhead is doing nothing about it. Well, it can't. Yes, it can, because he's not technically a siphon anymore. No, but he's failed he's... his apprenticeship. He's back in the mortal world. Yeah, but he's killing sides. Thereby, he's like he's in contact with the with the scythe world, and I think even that's of enough. Of which they for... have no dominion. But yeah. he's burning down property, which would make him an um. Uh, what is the word they use? Uh, oh, um, undesirable or something. Yeah, but I'm at this point. I'm presuming that Scythe Faraday is like with him. Yeah, but he's also not acting as a Scythe anymore. Scythe Faraday is dead. Well, he's not dead. Clearly, as long as the Thunderhead knows that he's not dead, therefore he must be a Scythe. And if he's a Scythe, mm. then he can't interfere. And if he's yeah. at the gleanings, basically, um, presumably using his ring as well, because um, they couldn't Rowan find the ring. One. Yeah. Um, it also, like, it all conforms by at least enough rules, I think, of the Scythedom that the Thunderhead can't. And oh, I, not to mention the I, Thunderhead won't, won't search for any grand ways to interfere since it's clearly yeah. on their side so it's just like well, well that's what i that's what i was getting at is i think that there's every chance that the thunderhead could interfere and could have definitely have taken control of this but i think that the uh thunderhead approves of their actions yeah so it's basically going well there's a scythe that isn't dead which means it must be a scythe who is as an apprentice yeah or is i mean there are cleanings happening, there's a scythe present, and there are people being granted their rightful immunity. I don't see what the issue is. None of this is my business. Good day to you. Yeah, I think he's he's positively ignoring it. <laughs> yeah, probably gleefully watching. <laughs> I don't think the Thunderhead is allowed to be gleeful. I don't know, but it definitely sounds... I mean, it's also described as artificial intelligence, so it, it's more than a program. Yes. So I would hope that it has glee. I would I would be I would like it to have a bit of glee in its life. <sighs> so really good ending, I thought. And yeah, it's just uh, I like the whole idea of it what like what wh- where do we get at if we solve the issues of diseases and and aging and dying. Like, what's the next step? And the whole idea that, yeah, we kind of still have to kill people. <laughs> How do we do that in the best way? So I very much like the whole, the whole setting of this. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I really enjoyed it, despite my post-Faraday death uh, lapse. <laughs> It did have a slight, slight dip in the, um, in the action kind of there, but yeah, I guess the whole idea of a murder mystery maybe occurring <laughs> kind of kept me going. I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I did enjoy this. Maybe I can make it a four. Then <laughs> oh, it's fine. 
Hey, you give your rating. I'm, I'm fine, whatever. I like it all the same. Yes, it's our completely different taste in books here. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Well, I'm also probably going to read book two and three. You know, when we have some spare time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it on the list. Yeah, on the, I have the like a, a... scroll. Yeah. yeah, I have a list of books to read when I go on holiday. It'll just be me, like, reading the second and third book of every every series that we've done so far. Yeah, me probably too, because I never... Oh, actually, not gonna lie. Uh, when we do, uh, when we do matched, I did read all three of that one. But most trilogies or series, I read the first book and then I kind of move on. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm an I'm a bit of a completionist. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things. Even with TV shows, but I know the TV show is now cancelled. I don't tend to watch the series finale for like years because then in the back of your mind you know you always have that one episode left you can watch if now, you watch that one then get it's that over. shit finished get that shit finished move on got other things to do with our life so far also this has been a three hour recording I need to go eat <laughs> yes alrighty well thanks for everybody who stuck out this long clearly mm. you have nothing else to do with your life but that's okay neither do we obviously I have um, so many other things to do. <laughs> so, yes, thank you for listening once again. Um, catch us next week when we do... What's up next week? I don't know. Oh, uh, the, the chase? Was it the chase? The case? Oh, yeah, the chase. The chase. Chase. Oh, the English. Yes. So, it's the chase next week, which I think... Just by reading the blurb this time, actually, might be out of my comfort zone. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, is it a little bit too dark for you? No, it's just more into the direction of sounded like like thriller crime sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. isn't really what I usually pick up. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, yes, so come back next week, maybe to hear me bitch about a book I really didn't want to read. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, Follow it's us. just a little bit zombie <laughs> Yes, zombies. So, yeah, do follow us on all the social medias. Give us a like, a review, send us a message. Choose our next book on our website, which you should definitely check out. I worked very hard on our website. I'd love for people to go and actually look at it. Yes, make sure Raptor's hard work was, wasn't for nothing. Yeah. All right, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.